1: middle call hey, hey,
2: what's up everybody welcome here's another edition of haberman and middle call i am guy haberman that is john middle call you, you, you can't we get a little like a piece of paper at the bottom of your kind of blurring the bottom edge of your screen there you see that there you go top of my apple computer, computer. yep Um, Just introducing ourselves again. A lot of new people have been jumping on board the last several weeks, last month, and uh, we appreciate that. That's awesome. So if you're new here, great to have you. If you're uh, old here, great to have you too. OGs, front of the line, thank you. Near the stage. uh, Hit that like button on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Uh, We have a podcast. It is down in the description of the YouTube video below. If you are listening to this podcast, which is the OG 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 OG, we have a YouTube that's in the description of the podcast. So you can watch, listen, whatever's easy for you. Appreciate that. Do you find yourself YouTubing on the move sometimes? Like normally it would be, you know, two years ago, it would have been a podcast situation walking around, you know, doing something, going to the store or whatever. Do you ever go, oh, I'm already listening to the podcast, YouTube, I'll just keep the YouTube going in my pocket, you know, earbuds, Airbu- no different. Are, are you
3: able to keep it going without it shutting down on you? Like when you close your phone? I haven't quite figured
2: that out. No, yet. I just, no. If I close the phone, it's out. But yeah. I just you know, I just keep the phone going. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, same. If I'm watching something that I'm enjoying. So I just listen and I just don't want to interrupt it, so I just continue the video. Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I do definitely YouTube on the move. Uh, I just wasn't sure what habits habits are like. So uh, that's one of my. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually
3: did one today across the parking lot with uh, Shane. The, the, you know, the Eagles coordinators talk tonight. What was I going to How else am I going to consume that? So it's just going right. and I'm walking and people walk by. you like, what the hell is this guy listening to? I'm like, oh, just Eagles offensive coordinator uh, breaking down matchups here. Shane Steichen. Yeah. Shane, Steichen. O- 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 Oak Ridge High School MVP, Sac B. Uh, UNLV,
2: one of the UNLV's great products sack b coaches. you know sack b player of the year 2002 my, my mom i just got in the mail and then uh, jeff levering
3: baseball uh, jesuit uh, a envelope that was thick and it wasn't cash so i opened it up it's about 17 different articles she's cut out of either the sack b or the enterprise a lot of criedler's son yeah uh, oh, my dad he, loves
2: me a screenshot of a cridler, Ryan, some, cridler some mike
3: leach write-ups to uh some 49er stuff did you so get
2: like. the article from the davis enterprise the other day my dad sent me this one. Obituaries.
3: Guy, huh? She loves a good cutout of an obituary of She'll a family friend.
2: Oh, man. Uh, of an individual. Yeah. You know. uh, I got the uh, the story. A guy did a story about how long the odds are for Ryan Kreidler. This is one of the, for people who don't follow, Detroit Tiger, pride to Davis, f- f- ham, personal friend of his father, a wonderful person, and 957. Um, <clears> 957- alum if we call it that and uh uh that's a radio station and um but it was about how long the odds were for ryan Kreidler to make the big leagues and then how much shorter those odds are than you winning the mega millions did you get that article in the mail probably i didn't read it i or, threw oh, it away it was long yeah it was a good little piece of he is artists. he a big leaguer uh I, he I definitely mean, I, has been to the bigs. I'll check the Tigers' 40 man when they report yeah. here, when pitchers and catchers report here soon. But, I guess the 25. He's definitely on the 40. Yeah. I would think so, yeah.
3: Who had the longer odds? Mega Millions or making the big Mega
2: Leagues? Millions odds are so much longer than being a big leaguer. Yeah. I would I would have thought that. You're far more likely to be Mickey Mantle. Uh, a lot of people on the uh, on the chat, mm, blah, 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 YouTube Premium lets you listen in the background. You can keep listening if you have YouTube Premium. Is that the same thing as YouTube TV or those separate uh,
3: entities? Separate. Separate. I saw Microsoft had a huge quarter, which yeah. Microsoft owns YouTube, correct? And Google, I think. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure they're all under one umbrella. Good for them. No, I guess not because Google's separate. Google's its own company. So it's Is Google separate. on YouTube? Google owns YouTube. Yeah. yeah okay. What
2: was Microsoft on then? It's a good question. Ta- ta- uh, tablets, uh,
3: <laughs> Windows, probably some back end stuff. Oh, <laughs> they do a big deal with the NFL, yet every single player and coach calls them iPads, even though they're not. I remember Florio did a write up on that. Like, Microsoft cannot be happy. $800 million a year, and every player refers to it as an
2: iPad. I, the Surface. I got to say, I think that, I don't know what they paid for it, but I think it's dude. worked. I think the Surface, like, if it were not for the NFL, I would not even know it was called a Microsoft Surface.
3: My brother has one. I, I think they are much, you know, for people that, you know, I think they are kind of work specific. You know, I think iPads, for the average person, more browsing, fucking around. It's kind of like your phone without the f- phone calls. I think a Microsoft Surface, like he takes it on the ranch, Excel spreadsheet, certain things. It's, yeah. it's probably a little more applicable that way. Do you
2: think is it less expensive?
3: Uh, I I don't think they're cheap. Hmm. Maybe a little, but... Great question. Juice drawn on it. Yeah. Brady throwing it. Brady throwing it. You don't see Kyle with him very often.
2: Uh, no.
3: Kyle doesn't leave his perch, though. Just needs yeah. to see it once. How often do you see Kyle on the bench with the guys? He he doesn't on leave the bench his... Only, only to go scream at Garoppolo for something. <laughs>
2: And James is, hell, I haven't seen him yet. Luke's on the stream says, Microsoft owns Bing. Well, okay, that now that registers. That's where I do all my searching. <laughs> Does it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Clarence says, the thing about the Surface is, oh, you cannot replace the screen by itself. Don't crack one of the Surface tablets. You can't just replace the screen. All right.
3: I, I had a great screen replacer in uh, in Walnut Creek. He was upstairs in this building. It'd be very difficult to find or explain to to be. But you just gave him some cash, and he could replace any screen.
2: That they only operate out of (laughs) parking lot huts. There's a couple of those. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, just 300 square foot office space. My guy in San Francisco, back of the laundromat, up the stairs. Did not know you never in a million years would have found him. Except every time time you're there, four there's like 17 phones stacked up because everyone. A lot of phones, some tablets. Brandon says Microsoft is dominating the corporate world with Microsoft Teams.
3: Yeah, I think from a business standpoint, they dominate. I think Apple's much more for the creatives.
2: Mm. I think it's always been their thing, Apple, right? The creatives. Yeah. John, let's tell the people about our friends at Tito's. Tito's for everybody. Tito's for the corporate world. Tito's for the creatives. Tito's for people who prioritize quality, goodness, award-winning value. Tito's.
3: Have a Tito's tonight, you know, Tuesdays, Tuesday Tito's, Tito Tuesdays, Tito Tuesday. Uh, you know, LeBron used to call it Taco Tuesdays. I'm gonna call it Tito Tuesdays, and uh, yeah, have yourself a Tito's. It's five o'clock somewhere, Tito's and sodas, Tito's in Pamplona, Tito's espresso, you name it. Get yourself a Tito's, number one vodka in America. It's it's prime for football watching, so buy yourself a bottle for the weekend.
2: Yeah, the thing about Tito's was they don't make it the easy way, not was, is. They don't make it the easy way. They make it the right way. Is it harder the way they make it? Yes. Of course, yeah. Is it better? Undisputed champ, obviously. The unanimous judge's choice double gold medal at the World Spirits Competition. Tito's been sponsoring this podcast for two years now. I still can't get that name. That's a mouthful of an award. Chairman's Trophy for the World's Best Vodka Tonic. Whether you like a little sparkling... A little sparkling water, maybe a little sparkling. You can do lime, uh, ginger beer. I recommend Reeds. Somebody hit me up the other day said they have they they drink a ginger beer that has lime in it, and that kind of helps. Looked expensive, but I said I would try it. Water, <laughs> John Daly, iced tea, lemonade, Tito's. It's really you can't go wrong. No, you can't. Get on it right now.
3: So go and so, enjoy yourself with Tito's.
2: Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume. Namely 80 proof crafted to be savored responsibly. Also brought to you by DraftKings. Download the app, guy. I need you to go to your app store. Download
3: the app. Because right now, our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, when you use the promo code HAM, four teams remain. Four teams remain. But only two can play in the big game. Teams have gone through ups and downs. September. And now they're here. The custom of glory. Uh, All new customers have to do is sign up for DraftKings. Using the promo code HAM bet at least $5 on either playoff game, and they'll instantly receive an additional $200 in bonus bets. I don't think it's crazy. If you want to do a little parlay, underdog parlay of the weekend, banged up Mahomes, who Andy, I just watched him talk with Brady on Let's Go podcast, looked in good spirits, doesn't feel worried. But the Bengals, who would be trying to beat the Chiefs four straight times in the 49ers, two road teams, little underdog parlay right there, guy.
2: That's a very interesting idea. It feels like we finally get Niners Bengals. I know. I, I would Collins rather have Niner's, Niners Chiefs. Be honest with you, but rematch. Wouldn't mind a little part, do. Yeah. Uh, couldn't get him with Jimmy. Let's try him with Purdy. <laughs> Here's the deal, too. If mobile sports betting not available yet in your state, don't worry. You can still get in on the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy. Get
3: on it right now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers, use the promo code HAM, bet $5 on an NFL playoff game, get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code HAM, only at
2: DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, a lot to dive into, a lot of questions coming in to the the chat, including this one from Caleb. John, you used to work for Philly. What are the odds if the Eagles lose the City Riots? Uh, You know, I I think
3: it used to be devastating when the birds would lose in the playoffs and it happened a lot in the Andy Reid tenure. Uh, It happened my first year there when Mike Vick almost won the MVP and it was devastation. I do think that Super Bowl championship brought them so much joy. I mean, part of the deal with the franchise was it's a football crazed town. It's a great sports town. Honestly, it's, it's I always compared it to like San Francisco in terms of the city but it had like this toughness and character of like Oakland. It was like a combination of it both, but like the Giants, the 49ers, and now what the Warriors have become, they they are just, they, lo- they love hockey too. It is just such a sports, it's, it's it really is like a sports craze town. I mean, I, I think the Bay Area is too, like loves the sports. They just haven't won as much there. Like when the Phillies won the World Series, the first World Series in a long time. The Sixers have won one like one championship in fucking 50 years. You know, I, I do think it helps a lot that that Foles beating Belichick and Brady. Honestly, the Niners have gone a lot longer winning a Super Bowl than the Eagles. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. It, and it also, wasn't that long ago. The Phillies uh, or the Sixers, uh, there was a period of time when the Eagles weren't winning. The Phillies sucked. The Sixers were terrible. I mean, you can speak to the Flyers. Hinky, yeah. And um I
3: think the Flyers have been, had their moments over the last like 20 years.
2: But the Sixers have elevated them. Like even the Sixers are not, you know, they they were they were a joke and then they became like a real people picked them to win championships and that kind of thing. Yeah. Philly's a great awesome town. I've been there three times, I think. Once was to visit the first time maybe was to visit you. I love I've loved going to Philadelphia. I th- I think downtown Philadelphia
3: I've been in New York twice. I've been to D.C. once. Mm. Philadelphia was my favorite. Now, I spent a lot more time there, but I I think it is. It's not a place like if you're a diehard Niner fan, this probably wouldn't be the game to go to, but it really would be a place to go. Like It it actually is a better place if you just want to go to a sport, like go to a Phillies game for baseball. It's probably an easier experience if you're going to root for the other team. Uh, and I saw that this is even more expensive than last year's NFC championship game. It's a perfect combination, right? Like the Eagles, I mean, their fan base is insanely rabid. <laughs> and I think when you factor in just a small percentage of Barry, you get people that would be willing to pay. I mean, it's it's like average get in price was like 815. Really expensive. Mm. I, I think what else makes it unique Uh I think the setup of the way the the way the teams are all kitty corner to each other is pretty fucking badass, isn't it? The basketball yeah. the basketball arena, the hockey arena. I guess they're the same place. The football stadium and the baseball. I mean, you could. I mean, legitimately, Mahomes could throw footballs and hit all three of them. It's really really cool. I, you've been to more places than me. Does that exist anywhere else? Quite
2: like that? Ah, uh, oh, is Cle- Cleveland's got actually not? I can't remember. I shouldn't answer that question with Cleveland. Cleveland, I know there's area around the baseball stadium's cool. I'm not positive if basketball and baseball are right near each other. Uh Denver, I think, might have something similar. Um
3: not I don't know if it's maybe quite baseball that close. and basketball are there, but I don't think Mile High is right next to them. No, like, Mile I think High is not
2: right next to them. No, 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 that, that's so, what I'm
3: saying. The yeah. link uh, PNC Park or whatever the Phillies call it in Wells Fargo.
2: Yeah, <laughs> very code Oracle once upon a time.
3: <laughs> it is it, basically like the Coliseum, but way, way sweeter <laughs> and way, way
2: newer. More winning from the <laughs> more, winning. just nicer, <laughs> a lot nicer. <laughs> uh, better ingress egress though at the Coliseum. Ingress egress isn't great at uh, in Philly. Uh, who else is like that? I guess. E- not indie. I think Seattle football, well, I guess they don't have basketball anymore, but football and baseball are close in Seattle. But we're not talking close, guy. We are talking across the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, did you see last week a lot of Eagles fans, they had a lacrosse match at like at that stadium or maybe would they have had it at the football stadium? They wouldn't have had it at the football stadium day of game, but wherever the lacrosse team was playing, they share the parking lot. And so, you know, you can't, whatever time the Eagles game was, you, you know, you can't get into the parking lot to start tailgating until whatever, four hours, but people figured out they could buy lacrosse tickets. Cause it's the same parking lot. Oh, that's they why were they were there all day. I saw it. the headline. So people bought lacrosse tickets, which by the way, were not like, I don't think they were like $35 because only the lower level lacrosse tickets get you a parking pass also. So I think you had to buy like a $75 tick lacrosse ticket to then get into the parking lot at 10 a.m. when it opened for lacrosse. Lacrosse so cool. GM was probably fired up like, Woo-hoo! look at all these people. Yeah. That is, that's sweet. Kansas
3: City. Kansas City. Football. Si- very Jolly similar. Jolly. Yeah, that's,
2: that's a good one. Uh, I think what takes us to another level, it's not our just- field that there, that the in Denver, it's all accessible via light rail. I, I think you have a lot of
3: cities have two very very close. I think having all three, and basically when you factor in the hockey team plays where the basketball team plays, that's they they all all the pro sports teams, all the away teams go to the same exact what like quarter mile radius. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, which makes it honestly, it's it's, it's kind of collegiate, right? If you you know exactly. the big power five, you go
2: to the same given area. But, but in, Philadelphia, I think you're right with the San Francisco comp. We'll get to some sports stuff here in a second. But because it does have a small town feel to it. I think the college basketball contributes to that in Philadelphia also. Like, what do they call them? The five, like yeah, LaSalle the, and, you know, Temple, Penn, Villan- yeah. Villanova, Villanova. What do they call them? Like the the, the yeah, five boroughs so or whatever. I don't
0: know. The um, Five families or four brothers.
2: The <laughs> <Yeah>. But <clears throat> anyway. Uh, all right, let's dive into some stuff. First up, actual news, kind of which the 49ers have not had in a long time and uh, not the good kind. Charles Amenahu arrested on Monday early evening, like f- around 5 o'clock. Or police came just before 5 o'clock to his house on suspicion of misdemeanor domestic violence. Uh, his girlfriend called to report that he pushed her to the ground during an argument. I've, I've, I've collected news reports here to make sure I get the details right. Mercury News actually wrote that because the alleged offense is a misdemeanor, part of why he's out of custody immediately, there's no strict deadline for when charges would have to be filed. So uh, bad situation, a bad situation on a personal level for him and her bad situation for the Niners on several levels. At minimum, you call it a distraction. Um, but I, you know, my first thought when I saw this story, I guess my second thought when I saw the story was just, there was a time when this was felt like a regular situation for the 49ers. They have not had to deal with this. We don't have like the blueprint in recent years for how this. You know they they will deal with this this week as we record this. There's been nothing, no news. Well, they haven't had a
3: talk. I mean, they Kyle talks tomorrow. I I would imagine they put out a statement. We're gathering information. Your classic, oh, exactly what they The did, cut yeah. and pay statement that every fucking franchise does. I don't blame them. Uh, I probably the first question Kyle's going to get tomorrow is this situation. What your plans are? I saw a f- picture and I told you this before we hopped on. You know, over the last month of the season, the Niners were rolling. They were a fun team. A lot of former players were going to games. I saw a picture of Ray McDonald and I went like, are you inviting Ray McDonald if you're the Niners? You know, it's, it was a little weird. I mean, he went at situations where he hit the chick. Like that was verified. Like that happened. This situation, my, my take on domestic, you know, when these stories break is always the same. If you hit a woman, you deserve to go to jail. If she makes it up, you deserve, she deserves to go to jail. Because these situations, only these two know. Like if there's not someone else there, it's it's a he said, she said thing. You know, she claims... She didn't have any bruising. She claimed her arm hurt. That was in the article. My overall take is like, I I just, I can't imagine him playing this weekend. I I would expect him, you know, he was going into his free agent year. So for a big picture for this guy, like you notice when you watch the Jags, you see Arden Key flying around like the 49ers have resurrected careers. And I would say this guy's had his career traded from the Texans to come to the Niners. I don't know what his free agent quote unquote money was going to be, but someone was going to pay him something. And I I think it just puts, derails his situation. And I just don't see how the 49ers, even if he's looking at John Lynch claiming he didn't do anything, this is, she's making this up, whatever the situation, you know, they've only had a taste of it one time with Ruben and they kept believing him and it backfired. I, I just, and I know Jed lets these guys do whatever, but he had a front row seat of just these situations consistently bit him in the ass I mean, obviously he's been an impactful player for him. He's a starter, but I, I just, I don't imagine he plays.
2: And I don't. Now I'm about to. With these situations, like generally, you're careful with exactly your words. The police report says the 300 block of Santana Row. Um. So you know, the initial report I I thought uh, made it seem as though. Oh, I guess his home is at the 300 block of Santana Row. I don't know. Is that a condo? I don't know Santana yeah, Row. I mean, I would well. imagine he has a condo down there. Yeah. So I don't, you know, when I read that, my first reaction was 300 block of Santana Row. Is that like a restaurant or something? But apparently that is the residence. So, you know, the other factor from a football standpoint,
3: I'm not trying to laugh, but I just remembered when, uh, remember when Alden had the parking thing
2: and he opened the door and they called it terrorism. The parking thing was... What was the deal? They, so It was in front of his neighbor's house. He, like, intentionally blocked their... Yeah, It was, like, terrorism, bomb yeah. threats, and or that the bo- was the, the bomb threat was, that was a different thing, he said. <laughs>
3: bomb, 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 bomb. He just had some headlines of just bomb threats, terrorism. Like-
2: <laughs> yes. He, that was another level. You know, uh, unfortunately, the reality with these, one of the realities when it comes to sports with these things is... People in real estate usually- say you can put the condos above, you know, the the below the uh, commercial,
3: commercial buildings or restaurants. It's a cash cow. You get to double dip, you know, the commercial building owners. Put the residential
2: above the commercial.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's all one building, you know, right. but it's like you have nice condos above, and then you have Starbucks, a little pizza joint, uh, a
2: bar. It's like you just got a lot of cash flowing through. To yeah, the, maybe uh, a little <laughs> restaurant. You live there yourself. The bar downstairs. Um, you know, one of this, as we all know, anyone who's followed sports a long time knows, that when it comes to legal issues, whatever they are, the rules are not the same for everybody in terms of you know how lenient a team is with a player. It is directly correlated to how good the player is. And with Charles Omenohu, he's a really good player. He's been a really good player for them. I, I would say he's been a top three pass rusher for them this year. Uh, Bosa, Armstead went healthy. You know, maybe and Armstead Arms missed
3: the majority of the season. I would say if you factor in the totality of it, he's been you could argue their second best D lineman. We just factor in
2: playing yeah. time. Yep. I, mean, I think I think you could argue that. <clears throat> so the thing with him was he didn't he played what 15 snaps? He got hurt in the game last week. Now he came back. Was he gonna play again this week? It certainly there was no reason to think after the game last week or Sunday against the Cowboys that he wasn't gonna play this week. But I wonder. Does that make a decision even easier for the 49ers? The other factor being, regardless of what you think the circumstances are, without even getting into the circumstances, how wrong he is, whatever, It, it this is a distraction if he plays for you. Now, to what degree is it distraction? I don't know. I'm no, guys have played with all kinds of shit, and well, distraction I, is a very hard to define word. But it would like, I think to your, my, I just want to say this to your original point. It does make it harder for them to win the football game if he's not on the field because he's a good player but in some ways it makes their week easier if they quickly made a decision that he wouldn't play
3: i i think we can already see some articles coming down the pipe not that i would read them uh in the local paper that if they were to play him, the heat and when I say heat, I mean, I don't know the average age. It's like fucking the CW. Like, what's the average age of people reading this? Hey, that's where to live golf was going to air. Well, I, I know. That's my my point is. She just stayed on YouTube. But we're dealing with human beings. And if I'm John Lynch and I'm Kyle Shanahan, like, they have equity, not just from, like, knowing what they're doing, but, like, pretty high-level guys on the team, right? They, they've had one incident, and it was with Ruben Foster, who we all knew when they, when they drafted him. Like, it was a risky move, and it blew up in their face. Let's just... I hate doing hypotheticals with this, but if I'm Charles Amenhu and I look at John, and I say, "Listen, whatever was happening, I, I did not even mean to shove her. I just tried to calm her down, and she like tripped." Or I'm just saying, like, it's a best very, case
2: scenario for. I'm
3: just for saying me. it's very understandable that if they say, "Listen, he, we've talked to him. We feel very comfortable. He has. We've been around him now for 18 months. Uh, we believe the guy when he tells us something because we've believed every word he said to us. Like, it's not." Inconceivable that they say that, right? Because right. Th- th- just based on she, she was shoved to the ground or she was pushed to the ground was the thing. It wasn't, you know, he's hitting her. We, we've seen, we have, if you follow the 49ers a lot, you've seen all sorts of shit, right? Beating up women, phones, beating up old men. Like this is one of those that in California, someone has to go to jail when a, when a domestic situation is called. And, you know, reading the article, he talks to the people. So maybe is he saying I didn't do this? Is he admitting to this? Cause you'd say if he goes, listen, I did push her. She's full on the ground. I don't think you can bring him to the game. And he's just played the last game for the 49ers and probably dramatically impacted his future in the NFL, especially when it comes to getting a big contract. Right. If he tells you that. Yeah. Cause I think 20, 30 years ago, hell 10 years ago, I, I think he's probably playing in the game. It's just, this is pro sports. This isn't, we're not teaching moral lessons here. We're just not. I mean, you're
2: saying based on how things have changed or Harbaugh bulky would be more likely to play him.
3: I'm not just talking Harbaugh bulky. I'm Balky. just saying the way the league was. Yeah. Good teams played players that play for their team. Unless like I can't. Cause the 49ers consistently. No, right?
2: I agree. It's that has definitely. I. It has changed some, I mean, it has changed. Yes, I agree with you.
3: It has changed where the pressure from the organization, you're just more likely to just capitulate. Sounds like you don't give a shit. But ultimately, while they do care, like all these people are married, they have daughters. I just mean like their job is to win football games, and, and I it's just like it gets very uncomfortable. I think you, the defender of the media, I think sometimes the media. I'm I'm a
2: defender of journalism. Let's be very clear what I defend.
3: This is not, you're not teaching life lessons here to the guys. Like John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's job, they have one job and that's to beat the Eagles. That's just their job, you know? And Charles Amenahu, when he plays, gives them a better chance. So if the opportunity, like, it's not like the police are going to say he can't play. He is available to play. We know that for a fact. He's available to play. If they want to play him, he can play.
2: I, I will say though, I'm not even disagreeing here, but just to play devil's advocate, the Niners do what a lot of teams do. John Lynch and like Jed York, like they they say they want a team of guys that act a certain way. Right. And and, and, and they followed up with that. They have. No, they absolutely have. Which goes to your point. Like I I I don't want to uh I honestly would not be surprised either way. If you told me he plays, it wouldn't shock me. It would tell me that they think they talk to him and that in the end he'll be uh what's the word um you know the story he it will it will look better for him than it looks now but if you told me it's not going to look better for him and they've just decided to just move on i would believe that too move on doesn't mean i mean are you saying you think like do you think they would cut him this week well i think the waiver wire officially kind of I think it's
3: different. I, I could just see them saying, "Don't come around." One of those more than cut him.
2: Like this isn't. But, but if we make it to the Super Bowl and you are exonerated, as many people have told me, the word I was looking for, you could come back and play in that game. I, yeah, I guess there's another game potentially too.
3: Yeah, I, I do not expect them to cut him. Because if they would have cut it, they would already cut him. I think they would just would have put it out. He's no longer on the team. Would be my guess, unless they haven't talked to him because yesterday 4 30 here's the way it works Kyle's the one (laughs) coach in the league that you win he makes you work on Monday so let's say they went in for a couple hours Tuesday is a mandatory off day in the NFL like you're not coming to the office Tuesday so now I would imagine he came in today to talk to Kyle
2: and John wouldn't you imagine yeah because he was freed Uh, I didn't see exactly what time he made bail left jail but last night it is a
3: complicated situation But I think the majority, and again, I'm not trying to shit on the media here. The overwhelming take is 100%. He can't play, cut him, get rid of him, don't do it. And I think coaches always push back, like, well, we would bury half the people that actually didn't do anything. I'm not saying domestic disputes are a little more complicated than just any situation. It's always easy to just pivot on, get rid of him, where you give guys second chances or actually just let it play out and he didn't actually do anything. Yeah that's what makes it
2: hard is that we're you know you're making the judgment without the details beyond but that in, in these good
3: situations good. guy especially in a domestic dispute or domestic dispute accusations it's it's just mono it's just two people like only two people truly know no one ever ever
2: knows yeah I mean but you, but everybody, for you talk to a person and you form an opinion as to whether that person is lying or telling the truth, right? Yeah.
3: But my point is, he <laughs> might have done something. He could be
2: looking you in the eye and you believe him and he tells like, you, no, why you I not do be, shit. I understand. What are you I'm, just, to do? I'm just, I understand. But even that is more details than what we have, than what we get access to. If somebody's opinion, by the way, is, I don't think he should play for the 49ers, I, I got no problem with that given 100%. My, my point is, though, if he plays, they're
3: going to go with, we believe him telling the truth. Yeah. And they're just basing it on his opinion.
2: Right. Right. Well, it could be basing it on her opinion. They could be basing it on, you know, you know, you worked in the league. Like teams can get access to more information from the police than is what in the, than what is in the police report. Right. Yeah. Through back I channels. Mean- you can find out, Hey, yeah, here's what our officer said. The officer, you know, there's a difference between officers assess the situation and said, he's got to go. And the officers felt like. And again, I'm pro- I would I'm say this kind of one was pretty point. descriptive that she was pushed to the ground. I, I understand. But my point is, like, you can talk to the police off the responding officers and say, yeah, they didn't feel like it was a dangerous situation. But X, Y, Z, here's why they did what they did. I, I don't know that they would ever say that. I'm just saying th- the 49ers can get more access to information than we have. And listen, for better or worse. Right. They can get access to information that says he cannot be in our building again also.
1: It's, well, it, it, right, right or wrong,
3: right right or wrong. And listen, I fucking would never touch a woman, never have, never will. If the headline was he punched her in the face, it, it would just I, it just would feel a lot different than push to the ground. Like, let's just listen, see what happened. It's just a fact, right? Yeah. yeah. Th- there would be a lot more like. Even if he's like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, the punched her in the face, she had a bruise or whatever, because there was no bruising. She refused to get a medical exam. It's just I'm not acting like this isn't a very it's or I'm not saying this is an easy one either way. It's a complicated situation. I would probably just I'm on the media side here because I already know where they're gonna lean. I wouldn't plan, just move on. But I think they would say, in the history of the league, if he tells you that I didn't do it it's easy to go like, fuck it.
2: Right. Our job, our job is not to set the tone for society. It's just not. No, no. But at the same time, you, you would not do that unless you think he's telling the truth.
3: Yeah. But they've been lied to before.
2: A hundred percent. But what I'm saying is even though the NFL's job is not to set the tone for society, if he said, Oh yeah, I did. It actually was worse than the report. you, You wouldn't go, well, it's not our job to set the tone for society. He's playing, right? You would only play him if you believed that it, that it, that whatever, he'll be... I, I would say
3: in the history of the league, there are a lot of people that if he's not getting arrested or whatever, they would still play him.
2: I, I completely agree. I, I understand. What I'm saying, though, is if the Niners... There is a difference in how, NF, even NFL teams sometimes, how they act based on whether they think the person did it or didn't do it, right? Even though there's a million examples of, well, it happened, Tyree Hill, but it happened a long time ago, Right. Or uh, there's a, you get a lot of that. Oh, Joe Mixon. Somebody else's problem. Joe Mixon, that was somebody else's problem. Right? You get plenty of that. But in the moment, I do think teams do make decisions in part based on do they think it happened or not? Or how severe do they think it was or not? Right? There's degrees. I, I would say
3: much more now in the last five years than before. I, I truly don't believe many cared <laughs> throughout the history of the game. And I would say pro sports in general. I'm not just – the NFL gets a bad rap. The NBA and baseball is no different. College football was not much different. (laughs) I mean, this is just – because it was – your number one goal was win or get fired. And it it still is. And that's why I think where a lot of them push back. Like, I got to win. Like, ultimately, this is where it is different than college, why Urban Meyer took a lot of shit, and why NFL coaches ultimately – like, let's just say worst-case scenario, he's like, we think he probably did it. They would never publicly say this, and they still played him. They wouldn't be the first. And they probably won't even be the last. Uh, I'm, not no. condo- I'm not condoning. No, no, that. I'm not condoning. I am
2: just saying. But, that, but you're also. But I do think you're also saying that that's unlikely to be the situation here with them, based on the way they've operated as a franchise.
3: Yeah, my original take was just take the easy way. Don't even mess with it. It's not worth the potential backlash. And that is just. Then the more I say that out loud, that's just not the way teams operate. Whether it's John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan,
2: or whether it's Jerry Jones, like it's just. It's not the way it works. I just think I keep saying that. I think it's so hard because the that you don't the 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 phrase potential backlash can mean a, like there's a wide spectrum on what that ultimately means, right? And that's part of what you're juggling is like, what is how bad is it? Yeah. If if he wears our uniform again, and the other thing you're juggling again, just being the reality, can we win this game without him? Is Drake Jackson good to go? Can Drake Jackson give us 15 snaps, almost as good as Charles Omenahu's 15? I'd say clearly not because he hasn't been.
3: uh, He hasn't. I didn't say
2: as good. I said almost as good. Yeah. Can he give you a percentage that makes it worth, you know, like uh, you know what, 80 percent of Drake Jackson and no problems is worth it, right? I I don't for 15 snaps because 15 is what Omenahu played last week. Yeah. He didn't play th- – he has been. He averaged 31 snaps a game this year, but the, he only played 15 last week.
3: And he missed a lot because he went to the locker room, so it would have been higher.
2: So that's part of it. It's like he – is Drake Jackson ready for the moment?
3: But, but at the end of the day, the, this was supposed to be the biggest matchup of the year on paper, on the field, and a fucking 49er got arrested on Monday. Got arrested. A guy that yeah. starts – like that's a guy that plays. The guy that had two sacks in a playoff game. I mean, it's that's just it's a disaster. Innocent, guilty. What I mean, the, the other players on the team, the coach, they had nothing to do with this. It is a it's the NFL. I mean, this is, when you think everything's rolling, twelve state wins, you're, everybody's healthy. One of your best defensive linemen goes to jail. It's probably begging his way right now to play in this game. And they have a very tough decision. This is why when these head coaches, it, it, you know, talk about, you know, being a coordinator and all this stuff, I don't have to worry about it. It's never my decision. This is yeah. John and I'm Kyle. This, they're they're this is this tent- is talk. This is very difficult. I, I will be stunned if this isn't the first question he's asked. Like, what's the latest and what, what's your guys' plan with this player tomorrow, mm-hmm. right?
2: Yep.
3: Not what we planned on. I mean, I was – Fired up talking about football stuff and then like, you forwarded me that thing and then a bunch of other people forwarded it to me. It's the good news
2: is I'm still fired up talking about football stuff. Me too. Uh I will think about this game moving forward as if he's not in it. Like when I'm when I do my two AM Baldy's breakdowns. Yeah. Like I think I I do think that. Like until there's some other news, and by the time you listen to this, you might hear some. I do think you have to think about the game, like he's not playing for them. So, when we dive into like Jalen Hurts versus Brock Purdy, you know, like that's a part of it cuz he he's a he's a very good pass rusher. Um uh, you 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 pick the next direction here. A few different places.
3: Well, I I just think on a big picture as a franchise. Our, our buddy Dickinson put this out. The 49ers since making the playoffs in 12, 13, 19, 21 and then this year have Every single year, one at minimum, two playoff games. They've had a lot of success. They've been to a lot of conference championship games. Under Kyle Shanahan and Jim Harbaugh, they have made six conference championships. Jim made three. Kyle has now made three. It's over a 12-year span, obviously. But if you just said that like when Kyle Shanahan was hired, it would take him a little longer, but he will have similar six playoff success as Jim Harbaugh. People would have, are, are you kidding me? People were just hoping to make the playoffs.
1: ButcherBox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at ButcherBox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you
3: just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medellin, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Port, Chicago, Illinois. This
4: is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.
5: Yeah. Right. If you, you, if you make back.
2: the conference championship game 50% of the time, you're having a damn good career. Which obviously and Jim did it three out of four years. but Jim did it, and he did it three straight, three straight
3: years. I, I just say, you'd go back-to-back conference championships, that's a really impressive com- accomplishment. Sean McVay hasn't done that. Now, he won the Super Bowl, but it's not like, you know, his playoff bursts have been a little different. Even the Eagles, this is only their second conference championship since, you know, they've won the Super Bowl that year, and then this one. So it's, it's hard they, They've to been do. to six
2: since 2020, though, right? Because Andy went to four. I mean, 2,000. Yeah, but those were a long, long time ago. Oh, I understand. But I'm saying six. If you said six in 20 years, I think even that, and if we looked at the history of the league, most teams don't make six in a 20-year span. Well, let's look at the Chiefs.
3: This guy is their fifth straight AFC championship game at home. <laughs> Five straight AFC championship games at home. If they were to lose this, and, you know, I think – Patrick Mahomes is going to play. It's it's been reported, Andy even said it. How healthy he is, we'll have to see you on the game. But like at the end of the day, like you have this historic quarterback, your team's having all this success. I would say winning two Super Bowls over that time would feel like the minimum. If I told the Chiefs fan, you're gonna have this all-time great player. Then honestly, beside Tom Brady, when it's all said and done, Mike O'Dowd is the second best player in the history of football. You're thinking more than one Super Bowl, and this is your opportunity to take advantage of it. Well, winning a Super Bowl if you don't have Brady or Mahomes is very, very difficult. It's hard to do. Some teams, you know, Flacco, you can get kind of lucky, Foles, they kind of feel like outlier situations. Most guys that win the Super Bowl are like Tom Brady's, Patrick Mahomes, even Matt Stafford, like the Rams had been knocking on the door. They had a really good team. The Niners have kind of been knocking on that door. And they were winning in the Super Bowl. They were winning last year in the conference championship game. You could argue the Eagles, like, this is their first kind of moment with this squad. It feels mostly their guys are under contract. They're going to be in the mix. The 49ers, this core group, this is Bosa, Debo, Kittle. This is like their third go-round at this thing. Jimmy Ward, right? I mean, McGlinchy, like, a lot of their core guys. I, I know Aiyuk now, it's, it's his second. You know, McC- they've added McCaffrey. Like, I'm not saying it's now or never. But we just saw re watching the Cowboy game last night. That fucking thing was hard to win. If Dak doesn't throw that pick, now Jimmy broke on the ball. Like that pick to me really changed the game. Sometimes you got to rewatch. I I get why coaches say that because you're rewatching. Like, God, the ebb and flow of this felt a little bit different live. That pick at the end of the half that ended up leading to a field goal for the 49ers because it was six to six. He scores there. All of a sudden it's 13 to six going to halftime and they're getting the ball and they were driving. But he throws that pick. But my, my point is, you rewatch the game, you're like, they could have lost this thing, guy. And yeah. I mean, we
2: felt that after the game, but you rewatching, it. It was like, God, this thing was really close. I think some people felt like we were negative after the game because it was a post game conversation more than a big picture. They won the game. Here's what's next conversation. And it was a, it was a, now, every time you get to the conference championship game or the Super Bowl, you have to win games that you, That just could have been losses. Niners did it last year with the Packers, right? Exactly. That's what makes getting to six and 12 years so crazy. It means you've won a lot of games. It also, in their case, though, it means they've also lost heartbreakers because they've been to six conference championship games in 12 years. They've won no Super Bowls in that span. Yeah, none. In fact, they've won two conference championships in that span, which means if they lose on Sunday, they will be two and four in conference championship games in a 12 year span. Now, it doesn't hurt the same way for a franchise as it does when you lose it all together, right? When the Eagles are losing conference championships and Super Bowls under Andy Reid all at the same time, it feels like we're snake bit. When the Bills lose four Super Bowls in a row, it feels like your franchise is snake bit. It's not, that's not what it feels like for the 49ers because it hasn't all happened at the same time, right? These are two kind of different little mini eras. But at some point, if you don't break all the way through, you don't average a conference championship game every other season forever. Like, you know, you, you don't get how many of these windows of three conference championship games in six years, four and eight years, six and 12 years. How many of those windows do you get as a franchise? Now that's where having a really good coach helps because you feel like, ah, you got Kyle Shanahan. You'll just be in that mix for a while. Well, how many conference championship games really at the end? I, I'm asking this question, not knowing the answer off the top of my head, did the Steelers go to under Mike Tomlin, who won a championship early and it felt like another one is coming. The 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 Saints under Sean Payton, I would say kind of similar category. Probably not as look, many as you think, guy. I would say probably top of my head, what you think three for the Steelers over Tomlins? Are you talking about the the Super Bowls that he won too? I mean, I'm just talking yeah, I'm giving him credit for co- just how many conference championships. We won a Super Bowl, he lost the Super Bowl. He
3: went to a he went to a conference championship where he lost to the Patriots. I, I would say three total. And uh, I'd put Sean Payton's also at three.
2: So mm, sorry, taking me a second. This would have been a good thing to research ahead of time. Tomlin has one Super Bowl win, loss. You said that. Another, yeah, so three three conference championship appearances. Mike Tomlin, three. Yeah. Same as Kyle Shanahan. But Tomlin has a Super Bowl ring. But you would
3: always take the Super Bowl. The Niners would have taken the Super Bowl, right, in one of the last two years, whether 19 season or last year,
2: and been bounced by Seattle in the first round this year, right? Or would they not? Yeah, I think you do. Like, I think even if you're the Rams, you take having won the championship last year in exchange for a terrible year this year. You'd happily, like, but would you trade beating the Ravens? Sean that Payton, was a while ago.
3: think about this guy Sean Payton, who's asking for 20 to 25 million, has also, like Mike Tomlin, been to three conference championship games. And, and like Mike Tomlin, I think Tomlin's first year was 06 or 07. Tom
2: Payton's first year was 06. So, <laughs> but unlike Tomlin, He's only been to one Super Bowl. He lost the other two conferences Only years. only been to one Super Bowl. Did he get? But you he could won. argue you got screwed on the
3: one that Goff. Remember the pass interference, the controversial pass interference where the guy got taken out uh, against the Rams. Oh the Rams yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep,
2: yep. <laughs> yep. You could also argue got screwed the year the Niners. Ahmad Brooks was it Ahmad Brooks pass interference in New Orleans? The, what was the Saints think they got screwed that Niners year when the Niners went there and won? With Harbaugh. Uh Harbaugh. Uh, that would have been the Falcons. Take it back. Yeah. Falcons got hosed according to the Falcons on something. You you just gotta take it's just very, very like you could
3: tell me next year the 49ers go 14 and 3 and lose uh, in a crazy game. In this, you know, they're the one seed, and you're playing the four seed, and that it's fucking 15-15 going in the fourth quarter, and Purdy throws a pick, McCaffrey fumbles. George Kittle breaks a leg in the game. You know, something happens, just derails the
2: game. I mean, I don't know. It's, no. just, it's football. Think about Shanahan's three NFC championship appearances. 2019 team, best team in the league the whole year. 2020 team, not a playoff 20, team. team.
3: 2021. One team. Bizarre, not that good. Not a playoff team till the final buzzer blew on uh,
2: week 18. 2022, like, kind of a mix of both. They've they been a playoff team wins, for about
3: been, a month, right? Been,
2: they've been good, like twelve. But they are on their third quarterback, so the year was not without insanity. So all three different years, like there's no consistent. Even the Patriots had different years to get to Super Bowls and conference championship games. So I'm now. Look, if you said, you know what, you're going to be from this point forward in the next twelve years, you're going to be in six more. You go, that's pretty great. That's a really good run for Kyle Shanahan. Six more conference championship games in the next – he's a coach for another 12 years after this one. Six more of those probably you'd have to say. That means you're making the playoffs ten times, nine times in a 12-year stretch or whatever, maybe every year. That's pretty damn good. And that's successful. Like Jed might sign up for that if you said, Hey, Jed, you're not going to win a championship, but you're going to make the playoffs 10 out of the next 12 years. And six of those years, you're going to go to conference championship games. You'll win a couple more NFCs. Like, you'd be like, God, you know, fuck. You make a lot of money. Well, well, you never you have would to have the You would the Rams say, you to say this. If you told me, I can't guarantee you a Super Bowl, but
3: you'll make the playoffs seven of the next nine years with Kyle, but you won't win the Super Bowl this year. You would take that because. The law of averages. Look at Andy Reid. Do you think when the dust settles, it's hard to tell because he's way, you 20 plus years younger, but like, let's just say Kyle Shanahan becomes this generation's Andy Reid, offensive guy, hmm. coaches, unlike McVeigh, ain't going to TV. He's a coaching lifer, was born to coach, addicted. Like rumors have it in KC, you'll just drive by like in April when nothing's going on. And you're like, is Andy's car here? Like, what? He's just, a, it's just his life. He loves football. The law of averages for Andy, like, Andy might lose this week to the Bengals. Let's say Mahomes is just shell of himself and the Bengals are really good and he loses again. But he made so many times in the playoffs, the majority of his career, eight, 15 of 22 years, he won the one Super Bowl. It's just bound to happen. But it, it takes a lot of chances and a lot of devastating seasons. That's what it feels like. You can avoid that if you're Tomlin or Peyton. You just bang that thing out within your first couple of years. And then you have some weird seasons yeah. and no one say no one cares. He's like Super Bowl champ. Harbaugh goes, "John Harbaugh haps that happen." Is would any coach or, or excuse me, any owner or GM take John Harbaugh or take Andy Reid or John Harbaugh if they had to choose, take John Harbaugh over Andy Reid? No chance,
2: right? No.
3: But for 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 like 7 years One guy was a Super Bowl champ and the other guy wasn't, right? You could argue the Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy was a Super Bowl champ. It's not overrated for the franchise and what it means for your brand and everything. You could argue argue it's a little overrated for the individual head coach.
2: Yeah, I, I think historically we'd find some weird national championship appearances like Larry Coker where you're like, they're not all created equal, right?
3: Yeah, like are Mike McCarthy, John Harbaugh, Sean Payton, and Mike Tomlin all in the same world? Or like if you just like pull GMs to rank them, feels like Sean Payton and Mike Tomlin would be like I would take Mike Tomlin in a heartbeat over John Harbaugh. Hot take. I think John Harbaugh is a little overrated. How about Brian Billick? Nine years ahead, coach. He's much more of an outlier, I'd say, than like that
2: because Mike McCarthy's still rattling off winning seasons. Yeah. Billick, one team, one franchise. One franchise. Um, I
3: think part of the thing with Billick, offensive guy, his offense always sucked because he inherited Ray Lewis. So it's like, what are you doing? You know, like Mike McCarthy, say what you want. Like he goes to the Cowboys. They're a real operation. Their offense is good. He's an offensive coach. John Harbaugh, Tomlin, like they consistently win. Sean Payton consistently won. But, but I think we're nitpicking like beside like Belichick and it feels like even Andy is in a different world than Sean Payton, and Sean Payton is kind of – now part of it is just he's an accomplished guy and he's available. If you ever put – if Mike Tomlin was available, he'd be getting the same
2: hype, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, what are the chances that Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes all won a championship between now and the end of their careers? All three of them. Pat has one, but Mahomes wins another. Burrow gets one. Josh Allen gets one. I'd say the odds are under 50. Like, I don't think the odds are good that all three of them win Super Bowls. Even though it feels like they're all there every year. Like, no. oh, they're like, cause if you're a Bengals fan, you're like, we're going to get our time with Burrow. And if you're a Bills fan, you're like, we're, we got to get our time. And if you're a Chiefs fan, you're like, Mah- there's no way Mahomes doesn't win another one. Which I'd agree with that. There's no way Mahomes doesn't win another one. Yes. Is Josh Allen going to just be mobile Dan Marino? Well,
3: I mean, Dan Marino never won one. Well, Google John Elway took him a long, long time. That's true. true. So Jim Kelly, like think about that crew of guys. Yeah. Elway, Kelly, Marino, Montana, Montana rattled off a lot. Elway could never win it. Marino never did. Kelly went to four and lost them all. And they're all, I mean, obviously Montana and Elway are probably on a different level, but Marino, most people think he's right there. He never won one. And Kelly, who doesn't feel like he'd be the fourth of the group.
2: He was a starting quarterback on a team winning the AFC for four straight years. If I told you the Niners go to four straight Super Bowls, you would bet everything you have that they get one win, right? I, I, I'd give you $250,000 right now. The amount of pain.
3: That, that that You could argue that's like statistically impossible. It is so bad. And I'm pretty sure they shanked a kick or whatever to lose one. I mean, they got their ass kicked in a couple, but they... They missed a kick, I think, wide left to I think to lose to the was that year one to the Giants not the first they had, a, they had a missed kick in one of them for sure. Cause you would say if you just went to four, even if you got your ass kicked in one, which my lot happen, of averages, but, a couple are gonna be close, and that means you should win one of those close ones.
2: Yeah. Um, but the point of all this isn't that Kyle Shanahan may or may not be good in the next 10 years. It's that from a franchise standpoint, you only get so many of these opportunities. And this year it feels like I saw somebody in the chat say they're playing a better team this year than they did last year, the Rams. I I agree. This year it feels like they're playing one of the better teams they've played in the postseason of the Shanahan era for sure. They definitely are. I I feel like this is the hardest game.
3: The Rams game was easier than the Packer game last year. And in theory, what this we have to see how this plays out, but in terms of going into it, I would put the Packers on the road, Lambo against an elite, a team that was better than you. This team, you're probably equals, but I think the road environment, the Rams, you had two things. Kyle always beat Sean McVay. And two, remember, that was a fucking home game. Remember them tweeting, like, don't sell your tickets, all the players, and, like, all the 49er people mocking them about the game because we're going to buy your tickets? And it was, honestly, 60-40 at minimum, red. So this is going to be an eagle home game, a true eagle home game that's also a loud, crazy, tough environment.
2: I think the fact that it's an unfamiliar opponent makes it feel really different. You'd beaten Aaron Rodgers several times before you'd beaten Sean McVay several times before
3: you, you had much, you're right. You had much more Just understanding of, of the game. I don't,
2: what are you, what are you getting out of Jalen hurts, Devonte Smith, AJ Brown, Hassan Reddick in Philadelphia? They've played them once and it was Ty Detmer and Ray Rhodes in the playoffs. Like it is, and they have felt like the juggernaut of the NFC for the whole year, basically. Well, they had, and they have been when they were healthy. And, yeah. And, and by the way, much better team than Dallas. They, Dallas, one of the teams they've blown out. But like Dallas coming off a game, part of it is what did you just do? What the Niners just did was scratch and claw to squeak by the Cowboys, who you come out of it going, I don't think the Cowboys are that good. What the Eagles just did was blow the Giants off the field which remember the Cowboys had just done the Tampa the week before. That's well, just the last image you got of them was that game was over before it started. Well, one of Coward's takes today was like, you could make the NFC pro bowl roster just with these two teams. Yeah. I think non quarterback, although the quarterback helps the case of the Eagles, would you say, are they the two, are they the two most talented rosters in the NFL? If you took the quarterbacks away?
3: Yes. Yes. They both have better rosters than the Chiefs and the Bengals. Yeah. Better roster than the Bills. You you would take Mahomes or Burrow over rosters. I said take away the most important
2: positions. No, I know what you're saying. Yes. They're the two best rosters in the league. And the difference is their quarterback, I know, Elevate. Like, I know their quarterback is part of what makes them tough. Right.
3: He easily could have won the MVP if he hadn't hurt his shoulder. So. He's a fantastic player.
2: Now, I also think – let's talk about like Purdy versus Jalen Hurts. I would say this. In this quarterback matchup – tell me if you agree with this. The Eagles, to me, are quarterback-driven. The 49ers are, in terms of just their quarterback play, the 49ers are coach-driven, right? Like if you said to the 49ers, Shanahan or Purdy, you get one for the next 15 years. Which one do you want?
3: Brock's been nice knowing you.
2: And if you said to the Eagles – Sirianni or Jalen Hurts the next 15 years, which one you want? Nick, has been real, buddy. Shane Steichen, (laughs) come on down. Yeah. So, which honestly, he calls their plays. You and I were texting today. Like, if the Eagles were to lose this game, and I saw one of their reporters, Ruben um, Frank, Ruben Frank said he thinks Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, is going to be the Panthers' next coach. If the Eagles were to lose this game, let's say there was like some clock mismanagement, Sirianni, Would it be crazy for them to say, you know what, let's go with the OC as our head coach because he is the one that makes our quarterback better? Because if we lose him, we can't go back to our coach. Their coach mysteriously lost play-calling duties last year. Nobody knows when exactly. That's a weird situation. Yeah.
3: From the quarterback in a vacuum, there is no comparison. Jalen is one of the most dynamic players in the league, right? He throws one of the best. He honestly throws now the one of the top deep balls in the league with Russell Wilson being washed. And their passing game. I mean, they have two receivers who dominate, two number ones. And then his running ability is the former scout in me. I I thought he was terrible college player as a passer. I'm like, well, he's an elite runner. He could play running back. And that was like everyone agreed. You know, when Polian was like, move a wide receiver. But when you said that about Jalen Hurts, people are like, yeah, he can't throw. Because if you watch him in Oklahoma, he couldn't throw. You see there's a battle right now with Oklahoma and Alabama. Alabama's trying to claim him, and OU is like, you do not get to claim him. He's, You guys benched him. He sucked with you. He comes to Lincoln. He resurrects his career. I do kind of understand where they're I'm coming from. I'm with Oklahoma
2: on that. I
3: agree. But he is –
2: he If you got divorced, you're not. that's just not your, that's not your husband or your wife anymore. No. It's, it's husband and <laughs> wife number two. It's their husband or wife.
3: Where they do have some similarities – they were now one guy went in the second round. The other guy was picked two sixty two. Okay. I think Jalen for a guy going in the second round, you would have found a ton of people that would have said, "I never would have drafted him. I did not believe he would be an NFL quarterback." Now he was, did he win the Heisman, or he was right there in the Heisman Trophy. Uh, mix? I think he uh, he won the Heisman. Yeah, so he wait. I uh, No, I don't think he Lincoln did.
2: doesn't have three Heisman winners. Or no, he does now. He doesn't have four,
3: but he he almost did. He was in the mix. He was having a fantastic season, and. You know, Purdy, they do depend on him running. At least, you know, the Giants game was hard to tell. I know he had a running touchdown, but, like, early in the game, he hit the ground, and one thing they said on TV is, like, oh, they're probably telling him, do not be careful. You don't want to take unneeded shots. But when he runs, he's fantastic at it. Purdy, to me, is more, I know Kyle called a quarterback draw run play for him, which, honestly, if you have it schemed up, like, this is – I saw a lot of people like, why would you do that? Well, clearly, because when they're in the office and they're watching Dallas's defense, they thought he would go wider. Like, I trust them to scheme fucking run plays. I I'm not against that. I don't hate an occasional QB draw when the quarterback is semi-mobile, which he is. I'm but, with you. but the QB draw was also based on like they motioned him out and they thought they would get a look. Like it, it was, it wasn't just a random, like run purdy. It was they moved some guys in 27. Covered some ground and Purdy didn't get very far. <laughs> but uh, I I think they both benefit. Like Setting Jaylen, up the like,
2: RPO he's going to run this week.
3: Here's the thing I would say about Jalen. He got a lot better when they inherited, or not inherited. I mean, they made a trade for one of the best wide receivers in the league who happens to be like his longtime friend, who's just an elite player in A.J. Brown, right? So this notion that Purdy is just along for the ride, It's somewhat true, but for those of us that have watched every single snap, and I would imagine many people listening here have, he's the best passer they've had of the Kyle Shanahan era by a wide margin. Like He's making passes. He made some passes in that game that like, does Jimmy make this pass? Does Jimmy make this play? And some of it's with him keeping the plays alive. The difference to me of the two, though, is just Jalen at any time when healthy can run for 80 to 120 yards. He is an elite run of the football. Now we'll see how it works against Fred and Greenlaw which is much more difficult to do, but against the majority of the league, like he can dominate you on the ground.
2: The other thing we don't know because of his injury is how willing is he to run post-injury. didn't have to do it really much against the Giants. He got hurt against the Bears in a game in which he had 17 rush attempts. He had seven games this year where he ran the ball 15 times or more. I'm talking scrambles and design runs. Seven games. Now, he missed, what, two? Not counting the postseason, I think he played. He, in he played the last game. So yeah, he missed. He missed almost, a
3: Cowboy game. Missed a Washington game. and He played the Giants
2: game. So almost half of his regular season games, almost half, he had fifteen or more rush attempts. That's a lot of attempts. In half of his games this year, he had fifty or more rushing yards. Not half seven. He had fifteen or more rush. He has fourteen rushing touchdowns. Fourteen. I thought Dak was scary. I thought one of the good things for the Niners that the Cowboys didn't end up on the goal line a lot because I think Dak with his legs and we we've seen it for a couple of weeks now is a threat in the goal line. Obviously Jalen is a threat all over the field, but on the goal line with his legs. And to me, what is more, it's not about designed runs with him. It's it's the opposite. It's about when he decides to when he decides to run is when I think he's really scary. And the Niners really what mobile quarterbacks have we seen this defense against this year? Mariota. I mean, Fields was week one different. That wasn't the guy running for 175 yards. And in the past, this guy's not
3: as explosive speed wise, but Kyler's given them trouble, right? Yeah. And Russ has given them trouble. Pre-wash Russ. You know, one number that really stands out to me, guy, Oklahoma, 20 rushing touchdowns his last, you know, his one year there. These last two years rushing, like you said, 14 this year, if you count the playoff game, 10 last year i mean this guy is it's why i thought he'd be a running back he is a it, it just comes so natural to him and when you watch him he's not he's not kyler where he's hitting turbo it's just more of like a kyle shanahan would like him in the zone scheme he's just he's got a great feel for space remember we talked about like you know trey's instincts in space yeah this guy's the opposite this guy was fucking born with a football in his hand dad's a coach been playing against the Will Andersons for three years at Alabama. So the speed, he feels like he's moving at a different speed than you, even though the defenders sometimes run faster than him, he's completely unfazed. It's
2: he, he, it's an elite trade of his ball and, in the hands. And they have a lot of guys to cover. So like in an ideal world you'd say, okay, Fred Warner just keeps an eye on him all day. But you got you got running backs out of the bat. You got Miles Sanders, you got uh Dallas Got her. You got the two receivers you got to cover. There's just a lot that your linebackers who are good. Like that's the one thing the Niners have, right? They got good linebackers, so, fast ba- linebackers the, I'd
3: say the best duo in the league.
2: Tacklers in space. You trust them fourth fourth down and six, and it's one on one to get a first down, you trust them to make a play. Well, think about this guy.
3: And this goes back to the Brock Jalen. Like Jalen does benefit from having an arsenal of weapons. Because how many teams in the NFL? now with Tyreek now gone from the Chiefs, could roll out a better top five skill guys. Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, Mitchell. I think the Eagles are the only team that you could even make the arguments better or at best, you know, equal. There's no one else goes that deep. They got uh, Devontae, AJ, Goddard, Miles Sanders, and they they actually have other running backs
2: too, but like, that top four is fantastic. Yeah, you wouldn't go Chase, Higgins, Mixon, P. Ryan.
3: That's pretty damn good, though. Boyd. That's, and look at that. They're, where are they?
2: <laughs> the AFC Championship game.
3: So beside them, I, I think it, you'd be hard-pressed to find a group. That's a good question. That's a good one. And if you factor it in the quarterback, there isn't a group. The, yeah. the only one that could make the
2: argument would be Burrow. So here's the good thing Brock Purdy has, right, is he has the 49ers defense. And I I think that what we're going to get in this game from him is going to be different from the Dallas game. Like what is required of him is going to be different from the Dallas game because they held Dallas to 12 points, right? I don't think you're holding Philadelphia to 12 points. And here's the other thing. Philly is the number one offense in first half points in the NFL this year. The Niners love to be a four quarter game. Niners are a good second half scoring team, actually. Eagle Eagle sneaky kind of sputter in the second half, even against the Giants. They were not. They they are not. They do not rate as highly. No points per game. I think they might average something in the range of ten points per game in the second half. Now, I would wonder the my one question with that is: Do they have such big leads this year? I think they've had some. Yeah, they just don't score as much in the second half. That's where that number. I was looking for yards per play by half, and I couldn't find it, but. Points per game by half, they're number one. So this is not a game where you want to get down two scores at halftime with the Eagles getting the ball first in the second half. That's trouble. But all of that said, to me, what's different about this game from Brock's standpoint is I know this. Here's what I know. Kyle Shanahan will scheme open throws for Brock Purdy this week. And I know it for two reasons. One, he does it every week. Every week I've watched Kyle Shanahan, guys get open. Didn't happen as much against Dallas. Two, the Niners can really run the ball. Philly knows this. It's not Philly's strength. Philly will want to stop the run and dare the 49ers to, like, okay, let's see if Brock Purdy can outduel Jalen Hurts. And so there are going to be open throws in this game for Brock Purdy. They are going to happen. Your, your classic Emmanuel Sanders open down the middle of the field. And it's just a moment. That's the moment. Do you hit Juice open? Do you hit Jennings? Does IU get free for the touchdown or does he get caught? Those moments are going to happen. Three, four of them are going to happen. Does Brock make all four of those throws? Because I don't know if you can afford to miss one of them in this game.
3: I think one thing that's going to be key, I saw our guy Ted Nguyen uh, tweeted it out. It was um, it was a red zone throw that Brock Purdy did one of his classic 360s. Go backwards, throw it away. He said, Debo's wide open on a quick slant, but... Aaron Banks got bull rushed and ran over. And that's the thing, like in this Eagles game, there are probably some of those plays that you just called, maybe half of them, the line is just going to, one of their offensive linemen could get smoked and it ruins the play. So, you know, I I think you're more, you're less likely against elite defensive lines. If if you're four or five scheme plays that just work, a couple of them are going to get scrapped because he's going to have to scramble right away. That happened a lot during Dallas, where it just felt like they had scheme-specific plays, like one of Kyle in the lab, a, a fake here, throwback, and then all of a sudden he's like, holy shit, that's going to happen against this defensive line. As you said last week, Cowboys were number two in pressure. This team was number one. And this team, top to bottom, is even better. Speaking about like whether Omenahu's who's going to play or not, it wasn't that long ago. I was watching Eagles game. Josh Schwett carted off the field. It looked was like he week, broke. So it was the last game of the year? A second to so last, last against last the Saints. The it, it was like, game. did he break his neck? Watching the Giants game, who's making plays? Sweat, he's back. So he's just like look well, pretty normal to me. You know, they, they they just got they got horses. The other thing, guy, we said all week, it's weird because I root for Dak. He seems like a fucking great guy. I, I I want success. Like he seems like a good type person. You want to build the league around. But he's a pretty flawed player, and holy moly, throws a lot of interceptions. Jalen just, is, I mean, he only had six picks. And you watch him, I mean, against bad teams, he doesn't even put balls in harm's way. He, I think one thing that just watching a lot of, I mean, I follow the Eagles pretty closely. I think they've been very, very impressed with like his just command of the ball. You know, because I think last year the knock on him, one, he just wasn't a very confident thrower. And two, like the balls were kind of throwing some pick sixes. Kinda, he was kind of playing a DAC level game. Like it was kind of feast or famine. Mm-hmm. It felt like this year was just a lot of feasting. Yeah. I mean, now granted, he didn't play. You know, he played in 15 games. He only threw six picks. Oh, and you're right. Oh, they, they were they 20, were blowing people, and then they would run it down their throat. So it's. But he was, he, you know, what the 49ers just encountered. You could argue the first two playoff games. I think this guy's on a different level.
2: Yeah, and I would say the Niners are largely on a different level than what they've faced. That is, I said it the other I've said it a lot. Neither one of these teams was great last year, so they didn't get first place schedules. And so I think there's a fair criticism of both of them. Now, they did play in a division. Did you see the rankings? They're 32nd, and 31st. In what? Strength the schedule? Yeah. <laughs> now, I'll say this for Dallas. I mean, uh, Philly, they played in a division where three of the four teams made it to divisional weekend. The Niners played in a division where Two teams made it to the playoffs and two teams were the two of the three worst teams in the conference. And even the shittiest team went eight, eight and one football team.
3: Yeah. yeah. What would cliff would cliff be in Thailand? If he went eight, eight and one right now, probably not.
2: No McFay McVeigh would never even flirted with no TV. Feels like he just wanted to fire everybody. They are now like they were one pass rusher deeper. I think probably. Uh, because they're they're like a five man depth in terms of pass rush. Speaking of Philly, it's Hargrave, it's Hassan Reddick, number seven, who was freaking everywhere last week. That guy's sweet, bro. It's Cox, it's it's Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham. Like that's their those first three: Hargrave, Reddick, and Cox are like tier one. Josh Sweat's freaking good, and then Brandon Graham. You know what it Neither feels like, Barbosa, Omenihu. Ebbecam Armstead. I would say that's their group.
3: You know, like when the Giants would play a dude that bashed and Bochy would like make his way over during batting practice and like put his arm around like a Bryce Harper type and just be like, "I like, I like what you're going." I could see pre-game pregame warmups just kind of work his way over to their unit. And he's like, "You guys are my type, guys. <laughs> if you guys ever need a home, yeah, you get, here's my number. You give me a
2: call." The problem is both teams, their guys get more expensive after they play for them. Yeah.
3: Now, Hargraves, they paid a lot of money a couple years ago in free agency. Reddick, they broke off. I mean, one of the things they're doing because they have a quarterback in the second round, they have spent money on defensive linemen with the extra cap space. Those are two guys they bought the last two years, and they are. You know, like the Niners this year with Mooney Ward, they have hit on two guys. When you hit on premium positions, a corner, a defensive lineman, an offensive tackle, it feels fucking good because you feel them. And they have they've spent money on those two guys and they have produced. Sweat they drafted and they extended. He's good. Fletcher's, you know, a little long in the tooth, him and Brandon Graham, but they are any good
2: team. You know, the Niners would take both those two guys in a heartbeat. Don't forget And there. N- not part of this conversation, just as an aside, <clears> like 15 snaps last week. I saw that uh
3: someone on Twitter said that the 40 that the that the Eagles were 28th in the league against the run. And remember when the the football team smoked them on Monday night and just ran it down their throat. And the next day they sign like multiple defensive tackles and Jordan Davis comes back. I saw Josh Dubow replied to the tweet and said, since Sue has started playing with them by DVOA or by some ranking, they are actually middle of the pack this last like month of the season. So they are not like at one point in time, they were one of the worst rushing defenses in the league since they've gotten their guys back and added Sue, they've just been much more credible. They're so not
2: just some like Seattle defense. He's playing like 25 snaps, so he's just running. Run Big body. Last yeah. week, there was obviously a lot of, it was a passing game for the Giants, so we didn't play as much.
3: I would imagine the game plan by Kyle Shanahan is going to be run and run it often,
2: right? Yeah.
3: Because yeah. they the one, they do have good defensive line. They also have good DBs. I mean, their, their DBs make plays. I mean, Darius Slay has been one of the. That's been like a Richard Sherman favorite for. Honestly, I remember him tweeting at him since he like before he got to the Niners. Like he loved because he very similar to Richard, right? Tall, long, playmaker,
2: podcaster, uh, just playmaker. He's a good player. I saw I saw a tweet today, the Light Years guys, and it's him. Did you see this? Well, I don't, I, if I know, if I think I know what you're going to say, I... they said that the Warriors have 23 wins and 22 podcasts produced by Warriors personnel. Now that Bob Myers put out a podcast episode, like 22 episodes of podcasts, 23 wins, and just remember, Draymond,
3: after the pool incident, did not put out a podcast till whenever his new deal was "quote unquote" finished. Like he, he Draymond went a long time without, like 45 days without recording anything. So it, it wouldn't even be close. Give up
2: podcasting for Lent?
3: Well, I think he was negotiations, the pool,
2: a lot of factors, you know. Yeah, he's, a lot of factors. Slug probably a guy in the face, you got to take one for the team kind of. You do what they want.
3: Draymond also said that he recorded one after, then he listened to it and he they deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. He well he he cuz he's like I should probably listen to it and he's like I don't like the way it sounds. It's probably yeah, not a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Bob Myers is a podcast I didn't see coming, I'll be honest
2: with you. Did you? Uh no, I did not expect it. But it's like, you know, what do you what can you do? You're running out of stuff to do. I don't blame him, but I you why would you 24 7 trying to find a trade? <laughs> yeah. You'll know, get again? Eric Gordon. Let me dedicate the next seven weeks of the day of the year to it. Yeah, I guess you have time on your hands. So has he had Hinky on yet? Be a good one? You could do every podcast episode
3: like today's podcast episodes on Clay Thompson. Tomorrow on
2: what Draymond. If just did game recaps. <laughs> like uh, and then Warriors took the lead. 77-74 on a nice backdoor cut. At that point in the game, you're thinking, Ooh, I just saw Armstead's non-sack of Dak again. Still one of the craziest plays I've ever seen. He hit him. He hit him up high. If Armstead is 6 2. He just hits him and it's a sack, you know?
3: But. Well, how did Dak end up in the end zone? What are you doing? (laughs) Zeke got absolutely hammered on that play. You know, Shire started like seven yards and just went full sprint.
2: I think one thing you got to give the Cowboys credit because you're about to run this play that the odds of success are low. It's probably a kamikaze mission that you're putting your offense on. And not for a second did they let the knowledge, that they would be mocked for several days for the formation, prevent them from doing what they thought was best for the team. And you got to give them credit for that, John. You got to give them credit for that.
3: Do you think Al Shire goes on a seven-yard head start and rushes the center like he did if it's not – Zeke Elliott and just an offensive lineman?
2: (laughs) I don't. Because I was texting Schwartz today, Jeff Schwartz. I'm like, Jeff, what are the rules with like the number? Do you have to have five players between numbered between 50 and 79 on the line of scrimmage every snap? Because if not, you wouldn't like they had five offensive linemen on the field, right? You wouldn't put five offensive linemen on the field for that play. If you weren't required to, you you're put, saying
3: you treat it like a uh, like an onside kick, like you do. With yeah, you put your exactly
2: if because you know it doesn't even matter that that Zeke is not an eligible receiver because as soon as you throw one forward pass, Zeke is now eligible provided he can you know get his carcass out of the ground, but. When you go back and watch the play, <laughs> they destroy two Cowboys. Zeke gets depleted and so does Jimmy Ward. He depletes the guy that caught the ball. Who they cleat them both. I don't even, who caught the ball?
3: Noah Brown or some rando. Yeah. That's CD's like, I
2: ain't fucking running over the middle. <laughs> I'm not going to be a part of this. Uh, but what's crazy about the play when you rewatch it, And I haven't. I'm. I've been so focused on Zeke that, and it took me until Tuesday to like really watch the play. Like, what were they? What was about to happen if Jimmy Ward doesn't annihilate Noah Brown or whatever? Um, the other guys, the other, the guys line up at the bottom and the top are like they don't. You would think they all like break off in some crazy pattern with they all the six guys basically three on each side outside the numbers, they all just kind of stand there. Like they don't break out. Like it's some flying <clears throat> hidden puck trick or something. You know, like, I thought it was gonna be like a hidden puck trick and people just spread out, like shoot out in a bunch of different directions. It's not what happens at all. My, my guess would be, it's a little low
3: kneel uh, music city type play. You know, he pitches it back. So the guy catches it and then pitches back. it back toward the other sideline, tries to get everyone to converge.
2: Complete field throwback with with the crew of offensive with line. Blockers. To blockers. Yeah, I've seen teams try to run the thing. You've seen it. We've all probably seen a couple. I remember the first time I ever saw it. Jim McElwain ran it for Fresno State at Texas A and M, where you split out three offensive linemen outside the numbers, basically throw a screen and try to have to Clifton Smith and try to have that guy blocked on the outside. And like wasn't
3: it a team. two point attempt? Not no, a no. It was not? like
2: middle of the field. Okay, did not work.
3: You're saying the Clifton tackled? It, yeah, it got tackled? I
2: yeah, got. I think it lost yards. If if it got yards, it wasn't many. So you're just setting yourself up to look stupid when right, you put all your again. Offense. I was where I give the Cowboys credit <laughs> for having the guts to do what they believe was right, regardless of the fact that Pat McAfee and everybody else would be making fun of them. I just don't Jimmy think Johnson, if you Jimmy look at Zeke tweeting about them. I, I think Zeke's looking at the ball, and then as he looks up.
3: I mean, the guy's in full stride. I mean, you know, whatever Al Shires, I would guess Al Shires 10 time is faster than Purdy. I mean, it's probably one five. I mean, he's hauling ass and he is he's like a dog when he chases another completely fearless. Like there's no he's going to slow up right at the point of contact. He didn't break stride. It it probably felt like it did when he was in high school and
2: kicking the shit out of everyone he played. Like, are you serious? Have you ever have you watched the show? Your Honor, Brian Cranston? No judge in New Orleans. Season two just started on Showtime. Good show. Recommend it. Season one's available to you. There's a scene where four guys are playing poker. In a, it's like a, uh, it's like a uh, drama. Yeah, it's good. It's People really good. die and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's like the New Orleans mob, drug dealers, crimes and, and corrupt. corrupt. Uh, no. I, I'm not, I don't want to say too much. Okay. So uh, he, he uh, there's a scene where four guys are playing. There's this game where like you play poker, four people play poker in the middle of a bull ring. And the last person sitting at the poker table wins the money because the bull is just picking guys off. And you're just sitting there trying to play poker while this bull runs around. And it is just, he picks a guy and he just runs at you. You are in the chair. You're hoping he doesn't choose you because if you last longer, you win. And the bull is just boom. Boom, boom! Picking people off. A bull, a bull. (laughs) Are these guys dying? They're doing it for the money. What's (laughs) the wearing Protective gear. It doesn't say. Uh Oh, but um, yeah. It was honestly. I don't even
3: think I've heard of this season.
2: Yeah, it's season one was like season two just started. Only two episodes. You know, Showtime doesn't put them all at once. I know. Pisses me off. So. But you can do season one. You can power season one right now. Oh, I, I don't know if I own Showtime. Kid Tricks says, what do you think of Sirianni mean mug in the camera? Dropping F-bombs to the ref? Seems like a jackass move, like McVay in the end zone. Also, after Jalen Hurts' uh, maybe it was Devontae Smith's touchdown last week. A lot of, like, chest bumping, chest pounding with the offensive coordinator. Yeah, he's got a different vibe, I would say. But listen... I'm not defending him because I, I do
3: think it's a little much and it's the opposite. I got
2: like, a buddy who's an Eagles fan who thinks it's too much. Like the Eagles fans are sneaky. Like they hate their def- They don't like the defensive coordinator. And some of them think Sirianni's kind of a meathead.
3: Yeah. It's like, listen, I, I'm Andy Reed, but I, I'm also a sucker for the Jim Harbaugh. The version now is much different. Than the version we were yeah. around. Even he wasn't doing that though. Like there is, I, I I'm cool with some bravado. Like McVeigh doesn't bother me. The end zone thing was a little was awful and he paid for it. But I would say for the most part, McVeigh is on the line of like, he's calling the place, he gets to celebrate with his guy if he wants. It's like, Siri, what the fuck did you do? You're just standing there. You didn't even call the play. Our, Hawkins texts me, he's like, What's this guy's deal? Brian Hawkins,
2: close personal friend.
3: What's this guy's deal? I'm like, uh, honestly, the guys in Philly, they really like him. He's a guy's guy. They just they've justified it by saying he just kind of blacks out during games (laughs) leader of men i'm with you i mean i i think it's a little toolish we'd be making fun of kyle if he did it consistently now he's the opposite like i don't how often do you remember kyle like throwing up a tiger woods fist
2: bump i mean that's the extent of it but a chest bump i would say you have to maybe when he wins a game he'll give a little big hug for d'amico or sala in the past right
3: I'd say D'Amico and Sala have been the celebrators. And even they, they are just chest bumping with Fred Warner, Nick Bosa coming off the field. It's Sala was, I think Sala got a lot of love for doing that. D'Amico's not as crazy, but D'Amico's pretty, I'd say D'Amico's pretty demonstrative is the wrong way to put it, but like
2: uh,
3: active with his movements and celebrations.
2: Yeah, Yeah, but I I, like, if you haven't watched the Eagles much this year, prepare, Sirianni could annoy you. And if he's here, if he's your guy, you might love it. Or it might annoy you. I don't know. I, I know this.
3: The Niners are the underdog, but it's weird. Like, I don't view them as some underdog story coming into this game. <laughs> there there will be, though. Like, if the Niners lose and it's a tight game, it'll probably look like, you know, maybe Jalen made a play or whatever. Unless Kyle were to blow it late, then that will just add to the never-ending conversation. If Siriana loses this game, people will freak. <laughs>
2: It, it, it but i think it's legit. it could get like it, i think it's real because you have an offensive coordinator who calls your plays who's about to be a head coach and you have a young quarterback who's a star slash star in the making but also probably doesn't could could really use a few more years with this off, with this play caller right yeah and
3: this is what we always say about the most powerful thing about Kyle is you're never losing an offensive coordinator and he's earned the benefit of the doubt. He's pretty fucking good at picking the defensive coordinators.
2: Special teams, you know, we just might need some work. <laughs> you know, there's in fairness. Emphasize, there's, he does not, he clearly doesn't. Well, here's part of it. I was thinking about this. How did Jim Harbaugh emphasize special teams? Hired Brad Seely. Well, yeah, but his best players played on special teams. Yes, yeah, it's just not gonna happen here. You just Jim Harbaugh was the Niners coach, Fred Warner would play on special teams on like 100%. kick coverage.
3: Jimmy Ward, uh, hufunga they, they would just be on the units. Could you imagine
2: Hufunga on kick cover? Green Lyle Shire. <laughs> I, I'm not saying he should do that because there's only, I so would many, not, I would not, right? Like, but like if, if Bosa's got to miss a series, so Jordan Willis can, because Bosa was gassed last week, gassed. Of course he was. Yeah. I, I was actually going to, we could, I was going to save Bosa for Thursday because there's a lot of stuff to talk about, but. I think Bosa in this game is a really fun kind of thing to talk about. Guy
3: Bowman, Willis, I mean, you you check. I'm I'm sure if we dove into the special teams depth chart plays on some, but like I remember Bruce Miller on everything, you know, and I, I think the Niners actually have a lot of, I mean, Hufunga made his bones on special teams, but if he just played on every unit, I mean, he was born to play NFL special teams. But the problem is you just, he plays every defensive snap. It's a very old-school way of doing it, and Harbaugh did it, and their special teams thrived. I mean, they they would deplete you. The 49ers, like there is like Danny Gray making a great tackle, which was impressive, but... And I, I lean more... I'm more new school on that. You cannot have... Who's laying there? Oh, it's Fred Warner on punt covers. Like, I, that just can't happen. <laughs> I bet if you looked at Michigan, a lot of their impact players play special teams.
2: Yeah. Uh, Jimmy. Yes. Uh, G Martinez said, I see, I see Jimmy Ward on teams. Okay. George Odom. Danny Gray. Right, right. Maybe this is Danny Gray's week. Sneak attack and deep ball.
3: I wouldn't mind seeing Ray Ray get a punter kick to the house. Be a cool moment. Again, if you're going to bring a tricycle, if you're going to come to the game on a tricycle, you know, you got to do, you got to make Do you follow Ray Ray on Instagram? His I do think are, I do.
2: It's just, it's an incredible performance outfits. Shanahan alluded. He was asked about him last week and he kind of made a comment that was like, you know, Ray Ray does his own way. Ray Ray leaves. I, I think Shanahan's quote was, I always say Ray Ray leaves the league and mumbles. Uh somebody was talking about the tricycle.
3: I think Ray Ray McLeod, his uh just an incredible, like played at Clemson when they were winning natties, drafted Bills, Steelers, Niners. Like he's just playing for sweet teams and went to Clemson. He he's just a random team? NFL guy, but it's just he's gonna have a nine year career and a four year career at Clemson, like Guy, is, I was a legitimate NFL player and a high-level college player,
2: four-star recruit,
3: running back from Tampa. He was good at Clemson, guy. I mean, is in sixteen and seventeen, he caught forty-nine balls each year. Like he was productive player for them, which I would guess on that team would have been like a young Higgins. Probably like uh, Hopkins was probably already gone. Mike Williams, like him and Mike Williams, mm. Deshaun. I mean, they he played for fucking some pretty inc- Renfro. He was on some squads there. Yeah. Uh,
2: all right, scouting report time. Brock Purdy. We got a, we got a Brock Purdy scouting report. You found this one. Bruce Feldman in The Athletic wrote a piece. One team's NFL draft scouting report on Brock Purdy shows how he became Mr. Irrelevant. On the NFL team scouting report, the most eye-catching information of all the categories was in the box listed for final grade. It simply read in all caps, no interest. So that's how it starts. Now, is that how you guys used to write your reports?
3: Yeah, I, I think some teams do reject or oh, reject. N- I, I think if teams that have like not a box to check where you write it out yourself, you'd go not for us. Gotcha. Uh, you know, I, not not a not not a player I would recommend. I think some teams have for the league, like might play in the league, not for us. I mean, there are different. No interest is that. So there's kind not of a things. number assigned to a player grade. I think it depends on the grading scale.
2: Like, you know, the baseball, you and I both know baseball scouts.
3: The Patriots have numbers like
2: 6.2, 6.3. That everybody, you would have a number, right? Like an 80 is a superstar. A 70 is an all pro. A 60 is a starter. A 50 is a rotational guy. Like you would think you would have something. I think
3: some teams do it for the league and some team, like the Patriots are big on doing it for your own team. It doesn't matter where he looks in the league. Like, does he start for us? Does he play for us? Would he not make our roster? No so, interest sounds a little bit like a co- sometimes coaches
2: get their own style of report. Gotcha. Well, Bruce Feldman talked to an NFL head coach, uh, NFL head coach, NFL coach, who shared with him their scouting report, his unnamed team scouting report. And we're going to go through it now. And we can scout the scouting report. This is, the, this is um, what it said. In his report, the coach wrote this about Brock Purdy. He did not test well. Limited athlete that has a maxed-out body. Very mature and experienced. Threw it okay. Did not impress at the NFL combine. Okay? Yeah. We'll we'll, I, we'll stop on some of these. Here's what he wrote the strengths for Purdy in the report were. Very experienced. Manages the game well. Making routine plays consistently. Creative as the play extends. And, quote-unquote, works through his progressions well. Weakness sawed off means small, short, compact, not very good athlete, limited arm, both in strength and throw repertoire.
3: Can't make a lot of throws.
2: Uh, Would you say most quarterbacks get works through the what percentage of quarterbacks you think that you scouted get works through the progressions very, very well? I think it's an easy
3: thing to write for a guy that's experienced that doesn't do a lot of things well. It's basically saying he's a smart, like he he understands his offense very well. And do you and think he, that's and, a, and, he, and basically, I'm writing this guy stinks. But well, why was he such a good player in college? Because he was very smart and very experienced player. And you think that's a common? You think half guys, at least half quarterbacks, can get that? I, I think if you went to the scouting community, they would say. So many people now run a leech Lincoln Riley version of the spread offense. It's very different than I think Iowa State is. It fair to say a little old school of an offense. They had two backs. They they would run a somewhat of a pro style offense. I, it's a little different than in Mike Leach's like, you know, they run two routes. I, I, th- yeah, I think I think it just depends eight on of the Mike offense. Eight
2: total plays. Yeah. By the way, Sirianni very close with the Iowa State coaches. Very close, like knows them very well. Knows Campbell very well. Did, did you? I see, didn't catch what the connection was. Did he? Did was he asked about Purdy, and he said he's buddies with Matt. Yeah, yeah. He said he knew he knew about Brock. He knew he really knew about Brock because he's very tight with the I- Iowa State staff. He said. And Matt Campbell cried on a senior day. That's right. Uh, okay, the NFL coach wrote the scouting report Monday. Bruce Feldman talked to the guy. He says this. The biggest thing that stood out differently from his college film than now, and John Lynch actually said this a few weeks ago, is his athleticism. I don't remember him moving like that at Iowa State. And then it goes through the list again. Didn't test well. He jumped 27 inches, which is terrible. He ran a 4.85. He's got short arms, like really short. He's got small hands. Six one. His arm's okay. The twitchiness just wasn't really there. His short shuttle was okay. Not outstanding.
3: I completely agree
2: like his I I didn't study him at Iowa State,
3: but clearly his athleticism, even if you thought he was a good athlete coming out, is glaring when you watch him play in the NFL, his movement ability. Right. Don't you think
2: let me ask you this. It, It would make sense to me if part of the problem with he looks better as an athlete in the NFL than he did in college is that when you watch him in college. Is it possible he looks the same and you just watch him in college and say, well, what works in college? And the article points this out, and you and have talked about this. Like, Johnny Menzel didn't translate. Uh, uh, Baker Mayfield, he ran around a lot in college, didn't translate. Zach Wilson looked more athletic in college than he does in the NFL, doesn't translate. The, for
3: whatever. The conference heard him. The conference heard him. I, I think if he's doing it in the SEC or the Big Ten against a lot of guys that are getting drafted on defense – yeah, exactly. He's viewed different. I, I remember last year a stat like the Big 12. I think they had a couple year stretch where their defensive players being drafted was minuscule to non existent, especially up front. You know, so it's he could not have played to the stats, the success he had. Let's just say he was the starting quarterback at Mississippi State or South Carolina, and his teams had had success. Against every single week, LSU, Georgia, Florida, right? All these guys are getting drafted, and people would have wrote this right because you would have been like, "Well, he just ran away from that guy who's going to go in the third round." I think you're watching me, like, "Well, who's this guy playing at K State, or who's this guy playing for Mike Gundy?" And usually, it's not an NFL guy. Oklahoma, Texas. even Oklahoma, they, they've Texas. Remember, two years ago, didn't have a player drafted. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Uh, next, do you, you agree that this specific conference, when it comes to defense? Of the power five, they're the worst on defense. Like, look at the Pac-12. They have a ton of defenders that get drafted every
2: year. All the yeah. DBs, a ton a of, of linemen. Corners, a lot of linebackers. Devin Lloyd goes in the first round. Yeah,
3: pass rushers. I, like, I
2: Kenneth Murray went in the first. I mean, like, guys go in the first but,
3: round. But, but I think even Kenneth Murray over a couple years span was kind of an outlier getting drafted really high in the conference on defense. Yeah. Because Texas and Oklahoma used to produce a ton of front seven guys, and Texas dropped off a cliff. And even Oklahoma under Lincoln was not exactly a defensive factory.
2: Uh, Next up, uh, one school of thought the coach said is that if you're going to take a quarterback in the first round, he needs to be elite at one thing. That was the whole debate with Mac Jones. What's his one thing that he's really great at? Well, he processes well. He's really accurate, which is hard to see physically. That was the thing with Burrow until everyone ended up coming around on him. He's fast, but he's not that fast. His arm's good, but not great. Well, it turned out he's just a everyone, ball. Everyone came around on him. He we went one. That's what you mean. Everyone came around. I uh, won a Heisman. <laughs> but um, so he's talking about how tough it is to evaluate to be a first because what he ends up saying in this, and I don't think I have the, I don't think I have that quote here, is yeah, he thinks he would have been a second or third rounder if you redrafted it now. I agree. Second or third round. Probably second. He plays quarterback. He's pretty good. Yeah. What What is like? In hindsight, is Mac great what? at
3: him, right? I mean, no, I don't think he's great at anything. Now he gets his boy back. We'll see if he can get him rolling. Oh yeah, Bill again. O'Brien. Yeah. I think one thing he's saying here, and this goes back to one of the earlier comments, when he's great at his progressions or he's great at you know understanding the offense. You don't quantify that, and when things aren't quantifiable, it's harder to pound the table for it and it was my my issue with Mac Jones wasn't he can't figure out how to regurgitate a playbook right but you can't because clearly that he understands that Brock Purdy I think one thing that they'll say coming up in this article was like the motions all the stuff going on he clearly has all that stuff down which you can't quantify that and part of the hardest part about Kyle Shanahan is understanding that now even the Niners
2: like Trey Lance remember
3: yeah, but eventually, like, okay, you know the offensive play calls. <laughs> like, you then have to be able to execute it. And it goes back to he's clearly much more athletic than people thought. And I would say his arm, you know, average at worst. It's not high end, but it's not, it's not bad. It's more than serviceable in the NFL, I think. If Dak Prescott and Cousins plus – Zach throws, throws it better
2: down the field, based on what we've seen. Even though he, yeah, but I'm two, just one throw.
3: But my point is that if you can, your arm strength can improve a little bit over time. He's young; he's 22 years old. Strength program, I feel like Brady
2: did, right? Tom, For sure. I,
3: and again, I'm not acting like this guy's ever going to be Josh Allen, but like Joe Burrow is more than functional.
2: He doesn't have a great arm. Uh, this is the part you just alluded, you just mentioned. The coach said what I think's really making him successful is he processes a lot of information pre-snap because they do a lot of motion shifts, kills, alerts in that offense. It can be hard to judge to just snap the ball and know which way to hand the ball off. His composure late in the down. He hasn't really made many boneheaded mistakes. He's been really impressive.
3: Which by the way, I this like this. I like, it, like this last part. Even this huh. guy I noticed. He did have one Sunday when he threw the ball away, almost ended the half, and Kyle Shanahan motherfucking him under the call sheet for 10 seconds. (laughs) This coach noticed that too. It was Kyle's
2: fault. This this guy's watching. You know, know he's a coach because he did not blame Kyle. Not at all. He he? didn't add to it. But, you know, in fairness, he's a young player, and Kyle asked him. Or,
3: you know, Kyle did blow the 25 seconds off the play clock, put him in a tough
2: spot. It was just that Kyle's undressed him, (laughs) which Kyle was. This part of it is relevant this week because it is a road game and a tough road environment, right? If if you rely on a lot of pre-snap communication, which the Niners do, relying on pre-snap communication, and the Niners, I, I don't know if it's different than any other time, but it feels like they, that play clock gets down on them sometimes fast. I think that happens a lot with young quarterbacks. So. That to me is an element of this game. We're talking big picture Brock scouting report here, but against the Eagles in this environment, if you rely on pre-snap communication, that is more challenging at the link than it is, I mean, playing the Rams on the road or playing at home. I think in the highest
3: level games, and I think you saw this two years ago when Alabama played Georgia twice, they played in the SEC championship game and they played again in the, uh, in the championship game, and I think you see it in the conference championships and the Super Bowls, is the ultimate combination in the sport of football. And I'm sure it's like this in the, in the sweetest high school football championship games of the best players and the schematics. Right? Because you can just out-talent a team maybe in the first round of the playoffs or to win a division through certain games. In certain games, you use your scheme. But in the big playoff games, like to me, those coaching stats right now it's all about like getting our sweet players. We're going to need them to play well and the Jimmy's and the Joe's, but it's also going to be a big about the X's and the O's, right? Like what wrinkles are we going to do to chip us on Reddick or chip Nick Bosa or get Debo Samuel open or rattle Brock Purdy. What things are we going to do for Brock Purdy to make it easy on him? How are we going to slow down Jalen hurts? And this is where, because I think the argument would be just like listening to you read this out loud. I read it myself earlier is if I was in a draft room and because Brock Purdy's name's going to come up a lot, don't you think, over the next three months at, you know, when you're me and you're sitting on the couch watching the combine and DJ's talking about it. Well, you got to look at quarterbacks differently with Purdy's success in draft meeting rooms. Could Purdy, because his intellectual capacity is so high, he figured out stuff that it takes a lot of young players a long time to figure out. He already got it right away. Like, physically, he's not going to get much better, right? He's never going to – this is as fast as he's ever going to be. Maybe his arm gets slightly better. He's Maybe already his, an release, accurate but his player.
2: release get a little quicker.
3: A little quicker, but you'd say that's not really an issue for him, getting rid of the ball. Like, can he get a lot better? Like, is there a lot of room for improvement? Besides, like, situational improvement? Because you'd say, well, shit, he's pretty calm, cool, and collected right now, right? It's not like he needs to be more – like,
2: learn to be less frenetic. Sure, but feet. I also think you could say – and I wonder this: Can you win a Super Bowl with him? Can you beat Jalen Hurts and or Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes with him? We're about to find out. Because how many great quarterbacks has he beaten? Hasn't Brady? Yes. Yeah. Uh, f- final final uh, quote here: We undervalued his ag- agility. And probably the mental side in San Francisco is perfect for it because they put a lot of importance on that because their offense in San Francisco, he can play action and boot and uh, manage the game. Uh, it's not like he's playing in a system like Buffalo where the Bills are just relying on Josh Allen, sitting back and hucking the ball all over the field. Just a, a nice little opinion. We know it's not Sean McDermott, I guess.
3: <laughs> don't, you, don't you love when a coach... It's just give and takes, but then has like a collateral shrapnel at other teams, just Best like uh, an unintended, just grenade at some other team. Well, it's not like they're doing what the Browns are doing, you know. <laughs> it's never just like you know. Kyle does a really good job. You know what makes Kyle different than those idiots with the Cowboys? <laughs> it's always like you always got to put. They can't help themselves. They cannot. It would be no different if we got college coaches in the SEC just constant shots at other people that have nothing to do with the article.
0: So
2: good. I'm trying to get... I'm looking, trying to figure out... I'm looking for, like, a former college coach who did not make the playoffs. Like, who would Feldman have that would give him that? Cliff, out of pocket currently. Uh, I think you'd underestimate... Cool. I remember seeing...
3: I, Feldman goes to the Combine. He's just... A lot of these coaches, he meets through like he he probably knows a, an underrated amount of just like NFL guys. Think of it, uh, yeah. the books he's done. You know, because I thought the same thing too when he wrote the article, and I was like, I don't know. I remember drinking with him at a combine at a bar. We were bullshitting. He's Bruce felt he's been so famous. Like I, I think a lot of co- a lot of NFL guys, NFL. Like if you told me, does he have like Andy Reid, Pete care Pete care? Think how many guys that he would know. Uh, you want you want my list
2: of guesses? Stefanski. <laughs> yes, it, you know, not bad. I started to say O'Connell, but I, too soon after his season. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Stefanski's my guess. If you just told me like this guy's written books, like
3: Belichick just really likes him, and this is Bill.
2: What if it was Bill?
3: Well, I, I just think you you just can never underestimate. Like
2: Brock, I I just spoke to Belichick for an hour about you. That blow Brock's mind. I'm 38 years old, and I feel like I've been reading Bruce Feldman since like
3: early on in college. Don't you? Like when? Oh, when yeah. I, <laughs> well, I, meat market. Yeah, meat market.
2: That's
3: probably 06. Because it was Patrick Willis was on the Ole Miss Rebels. I remember our guy Joe Bernardi didn't like him because he took a shot at him in there. Uh Oh, seven. Took a shot at Bernardi? Ogeron, I think Bernardi's dad was coaching at UCLA. And there's something written in there with those two recruiting and like Ogeron kind of punks them or
2: something happened. See, I need in the back of this book, I need a list of every name that's in here so I can find names. A lot of Ed on. He'd already re written Kane's Mutiny, was by that time a senior writer for ESPN The Mac. So I mean, this is 07, so definitely you would have been reading them by, you know, like 03, printing out ESPN articles at the school library. Prior to joining ESPN in nineteen ninety-five, reading from the book jacket here, Feldman played wide receiver for a semi pro football team in New York. I didn't know that, did you? No.
3: Just love her the game. Former player. <laughs> player. The one thing that just reading that article and spending a lot of time with Brock Purdy on my mind, I would say for the last couple of months. We can do all these kind of looking back and Monday morning quarterbacks and retrospectives on drafts and like the individual breakdowns of his skills. I think it's you're dealing with human beings and it's not that much different than Tim Cook or Bezos could hire five executives and they're going to hit on a couple and they're going to want to replace the guy a couple. And these guys, you know, have 30 years experience hiring people. Like it's just because like do John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they deserve credit. They drafted them, but it's not like they were over the moon picking them. I mean, they, they used a pick, basically what they did is they wanted to bring the guy in i i talked some shit about skylar thompson and i i had a buddy that i texted him he's like not so fast and i knew right away i'm like oh he liked him coming out yeah and he said we wanted we were going to bring him in as an undrafted free agent miami also wanted him as a my as an undrafted free agent but he knew he was coming to us so they just drafted and sometimes with that late pick and anyone that follows the draft knows. Sometimes you just draft the guy because you think like, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get him as an undrafted free agent. And you do that. And then the guy might become a really good player. There's like you use a fourth round pick on a guy. Like you draft Burford. You like the guy. You knew the range, right? Remember when Belichick drafted what's his name in the first round this year, the offensive lineman. McVeigh kind of laughed and he apologized. He's like, we liked him too. Like a lot of people like these individual players. To me, the pretty thing was I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of luck involved, and even the Niners would have to admit it, right? Absolutely.
2: I had a buddy. It's funny you say that about Skyler Thompson, who who's in an I, I give Purdy
3: way more credit. Like, he was going to get a shot somewhere, but he came in with a shot with a ton of quarterbacks,
2: a guy that and, – and just fucking refused to not be kept, right? On a, t- on a team where you have to learn the offense, and it's a lot of offense to learn. It's like And it's like Chinese for a lot yeah. of people. Um, I had a buddy who's a who's a college football analyst who was listening to that, Skyler, and he texted me. He's like, Hey man, you guys were talking about Skylar Thompson's passing touchdowns because he didn't throw many. I remember I was like, oh, 12. He's like, he was a really good player. I liked him. Like he was really mobile. He ran a lot for Kansas State. He was a good player. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, Mike McDaniel should, in theory, like, like you and I were having this debate. I don't remember if it was podcast or just talking. If Skylar Thompson was available, would Kyle Shanahan have drafted him instead of Brock Purdy? I want that to come out when I don't think so because Scott, because Kyle would prefer the thrower to the runner, but maybe people did think he was going to be a better thrower guy. (laughs)
4: When
2: that game was going on, the Bills, I'm texting
3: with a buddy on another team and I'm like, God, this guy sucks. He's like, God. AAF-level player. And then he throws, bat, you know, hits Waddle, bad drop. He's like, bad drop. Then he throws another dime. He's like, maybe he's got a chance to be a backup. You know, it's just because you kept watching that game. I wanted to hate him, and I already had hated in my mind. Yeah. By the end, I was like,
2: it, it was a pretty impressive showing by the guy. was a road-bills playoff game, hitting Jalen Waddle. Like, they schemed up a, a – were they trailing, or was it 0-0 at that time when he hits Waddle? Probably. I, think I don't know f- if it would have been a touchdown, but – you couldn't watch that game and come out and go, that was
3: a pretty credible performance by a pick 247, right? right?
2: Yeah. You didn't think he's worse than where he was drafted. That's for sure.
3: No. You didn't think Connor Cook.
2: Or Tyler, Tyler Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Happened to be a couple Raiders.
3: You know, in Ferris and CJ CJ Beathard. I mean, uh, Nick Mullins. Niners got theirs, too. Who were both better than those guys, but... Is it you want to go out? Is it tough being a Raider fan? You know, it's just because deep down there's just you just want the Niners to lose. Being a Raiders fan, you just want the Niners to lose. It's like extra salt in the wound, and they just find ways to keep playing in games that are watched by forty five million people against Cowboys and
2: win it. Somebody, uh, somebody said that Brock was a comp, a CJ Beathard comp pick. Well,
3: would have been a comp pick cuz it was the last pick of the draft, yeah.
2: Yeah. There are 47th round picks this year. Last year. To answer your question, uh what was the Raider fan? I follow some good Raider fan accounts on Twitter, and what was one of them the other day? Oh, so good. I saw like some like basically self, you know, self-pity. What did you see?
3: I saw something pretty good. It was uh, it was our man from Fresno State, the older brother, Dar- Dave, comes on the Harvester, and he's like, I, pr-, you know, and the Harvester tweeted out. I think he retweeted.
2: We have some place. Eagles fans listening. I've, the Harvester is a podcast. I think they're like two high school kids in Bakersfield, California. I think one
3: of them is is Darren Carr's son. Gotcha. You know, they, it's it's Carr it family. Might be,
2: when they started, they were younger than high school age.
3: Yeah, because Derek was on it four or five years ago. So, hell, they might be 18 now. It felt like they were 12. Maybe they're 16, 17 now. And Dave basically comes on like, I promise everybody, I've been tweeting about it. we were going to tell everyone what happened. But we got to let the Derek thing play out. It sure feels like Derek's agent said, listen, man, we got to get you on a team before we let your brother rant and rave about it. It was all just, on the harvester. He basically said that I can't say anything until Derek's destination and and next team gets picked. Oh, brutal. (laughs) It's like, yeah, no shit. That's probably a good idea.
2: Uh, By the way, you know another sneaky seventh rounder this year in the draft? No. Tyreek 2.0. Isaiah Pacheco for the Chiefs. Good pick. (laughs) Wow. Great pick.
3: I would say the difference of him and Skyler and definitely Purdy, and part of this is Veach telling our guy, Schrager, there was like OTA buzz about Pacheco. Like, we got something. And the Chiefs are, you know, kind of unfazed. I mean that they will also when They'll they tell you about like, themselves, yeah. Well, they're like, this guy we've seen what sweet offensive guys look like. They were hyping him up in OTAs. And Schrager was talking a lot about it. Was he a character concern?
2: I mean, how did he? You watch I think him he's, play. Isn't he a, isn't, didn't he go to small school? Rutgers? Maybe he's positionless.
3: Because I think he was a wide receiver. I think the Chiefs had I him playing like slot back. receiver. Right. Well, I know. Yeah. They, they've moved him. But I, I think he was like a slot receiver for the yeah, training yeah. camp. I mean, you watch him play the other day. You're like, holy shit, this guy's a beast. Yeah. Yeah, but it shows you. If they thought Isaiah Pacheco was going to be Isaiah Pacheco, they would take him in the second round. Like, they would take him over Sky Moore. Remember when they drafted Sky Moore, it's like, oh, Sky Moore. They just got their next guy, Antonio Brown 2.0. Oh, and, and that's just not the way. I mean, I'm glad it happens like this. What else are we supposed to say in beginning of March? Like, I'm telling you this guy. But then the season comes, and this random guy, it's why I refuse to, you know, you just have no clue because every single year for every single team, especially the good teams, there's going to be a fifth through seventh rounder or an undrafted free agent who is just going to be an impact player as a rookie. Look at the guy from Washington State on the Chiefs. He's had another pick the other day against Trevor Lawrence, uh, Watson.
2: Oh, Jalen. Yeah, but I mean, that guy went to USC and is like six but yeah. I, But he was a seventh round pick. No, I know. It, he shouldn't have been. But he was. (laughs) I know, I know. But that's a guy that I don't understand because he's long, he's athletic. Maybe he was older because he'd been at SC, then he left school, then he'd worked at McDonald's or something for a while, then he went to Washington State. But that guy was a good player. Like, I've seen – that one didn't make any sense to me. But I'm also – you know, I, I just watched him a lot, so I probably had an inflated view of him. Somebody so the, who watched the Big Twelve would probably say the same thing. Like Brock Purdy, like this guy's our best. So think about that. And it shows you why the draft is important.
3: The Chiefs, who, if Mahomes is healthy, I, I would say just based on everything, would be the favorites right now. They would be my betting favorite. They're not now because I just the guys hurt. But two of their better players and Im- are impactful players are two seventh round rookies. I mean, Watson, he had the pick six, right? What game was that against the the Chargers. Remember, he picked off Herbert, took it to the yeah, house. Yeah, hundred yards. I mean, he has had insanely impactful plays this year. And Pacheco ran for eight hundred and thirty yards, five well, touchdowns then, this year. And then you got Purdy. Then you got Purdy. Skyler Thompson started. Uh, this was a great
2: year for the seventh round. Is This the greatest seventh round ever, as <laughs> I mean, it, it, truly <laughs> two playoff starting quarterbacks and two starters on maybe the AFC champion. If the seventh
3: round was a college, they would have so many murals up right now for their guys.
2: They'd be recruiting. They'd be recruiting right now. <laughs> they would be. I saw a good clip, uh, a clip of uh, Hobbly Mahomes hit uh, Kelsey and someone tweeted, this is what prime. Uh, no, they didn't say prime. They said, this is what late Marino looked like. <laughs> <laughs> it was Mahomes on one leg. <laughs> you think Mahomes on one,
3: You know what he was playing like in that game? Hall of Famer? Was it? Is he a top 15 quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, I bet he is.
2: If he learned, if he could learn, you're saying would he be playing with the pain or just that, that significant of limited mobility?
3: Not the pain where he's messing with it, but just his leg didn't really work.
2: That, that mobility. Yeah. I'd say probably a top 15 player still. Yeah. Cause I think he'd learn to play with it. What do you think? Would
3: would Andy trade that version of Mahomes for Derek Carr?
2: No. Uh, Dak. Well, like that version of Mahomes could win a Super Bowl, right? If, if like Matt Ryan, he, he might, might. <laughs> you're right. He might. <laughs> he might. All right. Uh, anything else today? No, I think that's it. All right. Thanks for hanging with us, everybody. Uh, more live shows coming this week. And of course, Sunday and, uh, you know, share it with your friends. Keep it growing. We appreciate the growth. It's good for biz. Thank you. Good for everybody. What's good for us is good for you. It's good for the goose, good for the gander.
1: (laughs) Look at you.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward.